1956, there was 12,000 drive-ins in America. 95% of those are dead. In 1986, Joe Bob Briggs opened a show with that line on his first television show, Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater. The last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your late night host, Insane Mike. July 13th, 2018, Shudder put on a live stream of 24-hour horror movie marathon hosted by none other than Joe Bob Briggs, the man, the myth, the Texan. Uh, this episode, uh, this is episode 162 and we will be discussing this amazing event uh, that went well above and beyond expectations. So freaking so, cool. It was very freaking cool. And um, sort of below them in some regards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into um, I'm sure we'll get into our own, all, all of our own personal feelings about Joe Bob. Um, but before we do any of that, I should explain to you what the show is all about. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and talk about horror movies based on an agreed theme. So there may be spoilers. So have you heard of the Prescribed Films Podcast Network? What is that? Well, let me tell you about it. Okay. We have started our very own podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Uh, The network now has ten full shows of all shapes and sizes, including Midnight Snacks, Story by Podcast, Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, All About Movies, My Bleeding Ears, The Bloody Hook Podcast, Atomic Way to Cheese, The Horror Cast, and Land of the Creeps. Now, with Land of the Creeps, um, we've been friends with the crew from that uh, show for pretty much since the beginning of this show. So, and both of our shows were on a uh, on a network way back uh, a long time ago that has since long been shut down. So that's how we first met uh, Greg and Mortis and the rest of the crew from Land of the Creeps. Uh, so we've always considered them like our podcast brothers. Heck yeah. So when we decided to start this network, Land of the Creeps was the first show that sprung uh, sprung to our minds to include on it. But that's what I told all the podcasts when I asked them to be on, that they were the first ones. Well, that'll be, in the okay. next episode, I'll tell, that, I'll the, tell the same okay. story about, um, <laughs> you know, the atomic weight of cheese. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, now, however, the show, Land of the Creeps, had been on hiatus for, like, about six months. And... Um, as if it was a weird twist of fate, the very moment we started building the website for the network, Land of the Creeps came back. So of course, yeah, it was it was fate. It's we had to, to have them on the network. So, and their show is great. Um, it's a lot of fun. A lot of great discussion about horror films uh, with the whole crew: Greg Amortis, Double H, Doctor Shock, and and Jesse. Um, Greg Amortis, uh, Jesse needs a nickname. Just, That's true. I'm just saying. Everyone else has got names, and 
you know, Greg Amortis, Double H, Dr. Shock, and Jesse. So I think you, uh, you need to get on that. So, But it's great that they're all back, and the show is, is, is awesome that it's back and on the network. So, Give me a P! P! Give me an A! A! Give me a T! T! Give me an R! R! Give me an E! E! Give me an O! O! Give me an N! N! What's that spell? Patreon! Never mind that. I want to talk to you about um, our, our Patreon. Uh, becoming a Patreon donor will get you tons of extra content. Um, now, if there was weight to digital content, uh-huh. then it would be a ton of content. That's true. Including music from the show, bonus episodes, getting to assign us a commentary episode. I would think people would sign up just to make us sit and watch some crappy movie. Oh, that we oh I know. Because we would have to. I Water know. power. Well, <laughs> I, w- I was thinking of like... It, and, and some people have teased about it, but like making Mike watch Final Destination or some. Or I'll some do movie, it. You know, like you some movie a you know he subscriber, hates. Subscriber, I'll watch that shit, and I'll and you can make me say the word thriller through the whole episode too, and I'll do it. That's how much you Patreon subscribers mean to me. Aww. Wait a minute, you you hate Final Destination. I, He's gone I, through a period of really hating it. I need to go back and watch them. I haven't watched them in a long time, but when I, I think I watched maybe the first two or three tops, and I just I did not like those movies. I found them insulting to me as a horror fan. <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm quitting the show. Oh, <laughs> too soon. Those are amazing. I love them. I'll go back and watch them again, and I appreciate them for what they are, but just at the time, I'm just like... What they think just all horror fans want is just blood and guts and and crazy kills because there's no story or plot to these. Because you know how they there's end. No an, there's really, no antagonist. You, yeah, you need to rewatch them then if you don't think there's a story. Plus, Tony Todd calls death a Mac Daddy. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, you two fans could make what Mike watch these films and set him straight, make him see the light. Right. So how, pay attention to the shit he says he doesn't like, and then we make him watch it. I say, how much uh, can I just PayPal him to make us all <laughs> watch the Lizzie McGuire movie? It's only ten dollars. Oh, that movie's awesome. For that one, it's easy, easy. Okay. Um, so yeah, so you get a lot of cool content. <laughs> so just go to Patreon.com/backslash AOTKP. And become a Patreon subscriber and check out the different uh, the different rewards that you could get, the different tiers. Good stuff. But now it's time for the drive-in totals. One boob. And that boob's name is Brian Clark. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alright, let's go sign and make the sign of the triple humped couch weasel. <laughs> One horribly mutilated body. Oh, wait. No, that's just Jason Bollinger. Hey. That's not nice. Even if it's accurate. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Thanks for listening. Beard Foo. Tad Good. <laughs> nice. Beard Foo. That's so nice. <laughs> and poster collecting Foo. Mike Reed. <laughs> Hello. 
Oh, so, yeah, let's get into the show. Oh, well, before man. we do that, oh. we we got a segment we got to do. We sure do. I'm going to turn it over to Tad so I can take a drink of this delicious water. While Insane Mike's enjoying his water... We will get started on what we watched. On this segment, we just sort of go around the group and discuss something that we've watched since we last recorded that's not part of this episode. And I'm going to go ahead and start with our guest, Mr. Mike Reeb. What did you watch? All right. Well, I haven't seen a whole lot lately, but I saw something a few weeks ago. I may have mentioned it at one time or other, but I saw the trailer for The House That Jack Built. I don't know if anybody else has got around to seeing this. Nope. Oh my God! This is the uh, the uh, with new as a Lars von Trier movie with uh, oh gosh, is it a uh, uh, Matt Dillon? Yep. Where Ooh. he's a serial killer. Apparently, a lot of people got up and walked out of this movie at Cannes. This freaked a lot of people out. Apparently, they, they said like half the people got up, were disgusted, and walked out. I watched this trailer. <laughs> now you have our attention. I, <laughs> yeah. I watched this trailer and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> and it was because it, it was like it was yeah it's bloody and it's gruesome and but some of the stuff they have in there is so hilarious and I am actually I, I don't know if I've seen really much of any anything from Lars Lars von Trier. I'm looking forward to watching this movie. This movie looks just great. I go back and forth on his stuff. Like <laughs> he himself is a colossal dickbag. So just one of those like you got to separate the art from the artist because fuck that guy. Antichrist is really good. Yeah, go yeah. give that one a, a watch for a good laugh. But then the one after that, Melancholia. I made it about twenty minutes in and just like, nah, I'm fucking done with this. It's going nowhere and it's horrible and boring and it, it every stereotypical thing that is wrong with navel-gazing indie film is like Melancholia is that the movie. <laughs> so it just depends on the flick, I guess. But you said it's super gruesome and it's about a serial killer, so I'm automatically going to give it a shot. At least watch the trailer. The trailer was great. Alright, well uh, is that your pick then for what you watched? That is my pick for what I watched. I figured... The guy that runs a video store would have. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? You, you'd think, but I had to show like all this family-friendly stuff, you know, during the day, you know. Boo! So I was like, yeah, I could, I could put on some really awesome stuff, and like, mm, yeah, I better not. So I mean, but I've been, you know, I can tell you all about the like uh, Fast and Furious Mission Impossible marathons I've been going through, but yeah. <laughs> That's what I was gonna ask. Uh, I was gonna ask if you watched anything that was family friendly that was at least uh, interesting or good. But when you said Fast and the Furious, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, what did you watch? All right. Well, I have a giant list of things. I'll try to go fast. Uh, uh, just wa- I, so since this uh, last drive-in, um, I've just been. I felt like extra loyal to shutter like it was such an awesome thing that they did sure the fans reacted and basically broke shutter you know <laughs> on the day which was awesome but then they turned around and gave us all a free month since it was a little 
since there was trouble. And then, you know, I, I'm sure the plan was still to put them all on there, all the episodes, all 13 episodes. But it was very cool that they put them up right away. And anyway, I just, I've been watching a lot of Shudder lately. I mean, I, sh I, I do anyway, and but we should anyway. I just, I feel extra... So they, uh, I th I'm not sure how, s how recently they put it out, but they put out a, a new uh, Shutter exclusive called Ruin Me. Um, it's a, a group of kids uh, go kind of on this camp out thing, uh, slasher sleep out, they call it, where it's like uh, you sign your rights over and then you go on this weekend camp trip where people try to scare you, basically. And cool, super cool concept. And oh, is it real? Is it not real? Oh shit! Oh my god! And uh, it's pretty fun. It's a kind of. It was a high end of l l no budget, low budget. Like it, it looked really good. Um, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty good. You can you can be honest because the director and none of the actors are listening right now. No, but yeah, I but I I posted on Twitter and then like two of the producers and then one of the main actors was replying and shit and then Tad's like I was gonna watch that. What'd you think? And then I wrote <laughs> Tad privately. I'm like I don't want to say on there because it wasn't that good. But I I would recommend it because it's cool and it's a Shutter exclusive, so you should watch it. But uh. There were cool things. There's totally cool things. And it was, yeah. But it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. I don't know. It was good. You should watch it. Whether they're listening or not. I also, and then the other day I was like, I was trying to find something to watch. I'm flipping around somewhere. I'm like, just Legend of Boggy Creek pops up. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I should watch that. And then I go to another app because I just, you know, you got to kind of go through the apps, just kind of see what's out there, you know. And then fucking Legend of Boggy Creek pops up again. And I'm like, ah, oh, I really need to watch that. Right, I think it's going to be that, but let me check one more. And then I get over to Shudder, and then I see that it's one of Joe Bob's movies. I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm watching it now. So I watched uh, Legend of Boggy Creek for the first time with Joe Bob Briggs. Wow, that's a hell of a way to do that for the first time. I uh, know. It was awesome. <laughs> I fucking love that movie anyway. But Yeah, I, and I think it helped. You know, it's... I mean, yes, the movie's cool, but I don't know. I think... Well, I mean, that, I think it's clear we'd all say Joe Bob makes everything better. Yeah. So I was happy that I got to share it with Joe Bob my first time with that movie. Um, then, uh... I've been kind of on a Joe Dante kick. I finally got to see Looney Tunes. I hadn't watched that yet either. Looney Tunes back in action. I know that's not horror, but it's Joe Dante, and I had to mention it. And it was great. Well, spoilers for mine. Mine's nowhere close to horror. <laughs> I haven't watched much of anything. So. Okay. Um, and then mm -hmm. this isn't horror either, but it's A24, and it fucking is so good. I have to mention it because you have to watch it, everyone. The last movie star. Holy fuck, it was great. <laughs> I wanted to see that one until you, until you told me about that it. Until I, I had it cried for two hours? Man, yeah. it was Like, that's what I really want to do. Yeah, but dude, it's so good. Tell them, Tad. It's good. It's great. I told you it was great, and then you watched it. Yeah. See? So then I'm passing it on to you, Mike. So it's Tad's fault, not my fault. I, I will say it's good enough to make Blake shut the fuck up for two hours. Whoa. So that was, uh, it was that good. 
<laughs> yes, any uh, Blake bashing, we are all for it. <laughs> we are all for it. But I'll tell you what. Here, I got two more. Uh, this fucking movie has haunted me daily since I watched it. I have a really hard time. Uh, it it scares me, and I like it pops into my brain way too fucking much. And it was awesome and amazing, and a slow burn, and also an A twenty four film, but. <laughs> And I've had the soundtrack for years, and holy shit, it's a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. um, Under the Skin. I finally watched oh, yeah. it. The movie's Jeez great. Jesus fucking Christ. Has that movie given me nightmares? <sighs> it's awesome. Who's, everybody seen it? Yep. Was I the last one? I can't. I think so. I just, if I see, uh, if I see anything floating in water, I just have to go. <laughs> I just have to go. I can't. <laughs> I think of that fucking scene, the scene. Oh my god, I can't. It's so scary. So scary. Okay, but then, uh, like I'm uh, okay. But then, uh, uh, last night Tina and I we watched uh, Castle Rock. It's on Hulu. The first yeah, three episodes first are on Hulu. Episodes, yeah. How is it? Fucking great. Nice. I caught the first episode. Well, in the second episode, the guy... Don't no, you just, fucking <laughs> dare. <laughs> but then, Cujo comes back, and I, I'm just kidding. But No, but Cujo was the best part of the Dark Tower movie, so... <laughs> anyway, yeah, so on Hulu, the first three episodes are up, and then every Wednesday, new episodes come out. It's fucking great. It's cool. I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to that one. And Isabella caught a trailer for it with me last weekend. She's like, "Oh, I want to see that too." So we got something to watch together the next time. I think. Here. I think I would just say uh, that the it's a less referencey than it might you might have let yourself hope for. Mm. I mean, it's there. Well, There's... I don't really necessarily think I was hoping it was oh, okay. just going to be Stephen King reference the clip show. Like, okay, good. I mean, it's a thing set in Castle Rock, but I didn't assume that they had licensed any of his novels. So I figured it was going to be like new stories. Totally new. It's a whole new story. I mean, it takes place at Shawshank Prison, and there's there's definitely references throughout. But it feels like Stephen King. It, yeah, I just uh, love that setting. I love the oh. idea that he came up with this fictional town that like thirty or forty percent of his stories take place in or around. Where, where the town just, is just fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think they got the same guy who do the music that a lot of Stephen King films too, and it's really great. Um, yeah, totally recommend it. Definite, definite awesome show. Okay, I'm done. All right, well, Brian, what'd you watch? Oh, I think I'm just going to keep yapping about Godzilla. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, you can go... Patreon people and people who want to be Patreon people should give them some money, and then you can go listen to me talk about Godzilla on the bonus episode. It's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, Netflix released uh, on the 18th the second installment in the uh, Godzilla Monster Planet trilogy. It's not really a trilogy, I guess. What would you call a, just a really big, long story that gets chopped up? A saga, I guess, because trilogy means three standalone things with linking themes. Anyway... 
<laughs> Enough literary pedantry here. Uh, <clears throat> so it continues the story from Godzilla Monster Planet. The new one's called Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle, and it sort of has Mechagodzilla in it. It just came out, you know, it's brand new, so I don't want to spoil anything for the three other people listening to the show who give a shit about Godzilla stuff. But when they showed the Mechagodzilla designs on the internet, I was like, oh, really? What the hell is that? It, I don't know, it looked like something like a bunch of lawnmower blades just fell in a pile and they welded it together and called it good like it was terrible. But they don't actually use that version of Mechagodzilla in the movie, so you'll have to just watch it and see what I mean. Um, it, it overcame a lot of the problems I had with the first movie. Um, the The story is a little more interesting, a little tighter. Um, even though I like the, the overall concept of how this works, that Godzilla was came up out of the earth in response to humanity fucking the planet up and and was so vicious and indestructible that they had to flee the earth in arc ships they come back 20,000 years later Godzilla's still here the entire ecosystem has sort of bent to his will um, and now they're trying to kick him off the planet because they're out of resources and it's either beat Godzilla or humanity goes extinct and uh, they've they've teased that Ghidra is going to be in the third one, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I don't hate these things nearly as much as most other people seem to. I think the monster designs are a little disappointing. Um, the execution of the animation is a little off-putting because it's all CG instead of <coughs> uh, actual hand. It's like what they call cell shading. So it's CG that's trying to look like hand-drawn animation as opposed to just actually being hand-drawn animation that's a little frustrating but the story's neat and yeah it's worth checking out awesome that is awesome I guess uh, what do we have left Insane Mike what did you watch well I haven't had a chance to watch much of anything except for stuff for the show Um, so I didn't really watch anything horror but I did just last night the son and I we went to go see Teen Titans go to the movies oh my god it was freaking funny it was awesome like whatever your opinion is of the actual show Teen Titans Go you know I know it's a you know it's it's a little bit out there and the movie is too but oh man they do you know they do not leave any stone unturned as far as like making fun of things and and all the references uh, one of my favorite things is Nick Cage does the voice of Superman in the movie. So, <laughs> oh, that's like, amazing. yeah, he finally gets to play Superman. So he finally gets to play Superman. Um, Will Arnett was a producer on this, and he also voiced um, Slade in the in the movie. So the fact that I feel like, um, the, as far as the humor goes, if, if I feel like it's got a little bit more Will Arnett. Um, in there as opposed to like uh like some of the humor from the show um Patton Oswald does the voice of the Adam and that's hilarious because every time Adam shows up the Teen Titans run into him with a car and he splats like a bug on the windshield um <laughs> the greatest the greatest appearance in this is Stan Lee makes an appearance and the whole time I'm like, oh, they got a really good person to do a Stan Lee impersonation. But then I watched the credits. Stan Lee actually did it. And it's, and it's just so making fun of how Stan Lee 
feels the need to be in every single Marvel movie. <laughs> and at one point, it's like, this isn't a Marvel movie, this is DC. It's like, oh, I'm out of here. So then he takes off. So it's just full of, it's just so full of, of, of crazy references and things that, you know, like, if you're really deep into this stuff that you you would get maybe not maybe not a lot of the kids will get but uh you know it starts off with a parody of the marvel comic book flip page using uh, new teen titans issue number one and then it pans back and it's the pelican um f- uh, re- actually reading the comic book but and it's got like appearances from like every dc character from like superman batman wonder woman green lantern but then like swamp thing dead man even the challengers <laughs> of the unknown make an appearance in this in this movie it's it's hilarious um uh, they make fun of um batman and batman versus superman and the whole martha scene where it's like well, my mom's name is Martha, and then they hug, and then Batman's like, wait a minute, what's your dad's name? And then they start fighting again because they don't have the same dad's name. <laughs> uh, Jor-El makes an appearance, and whoever's doing Jor-El's voice is doing a really awesomely bad uh, Brando impersonation. Um, you know, at one point, the Titans, they go back in time to try to stop all the superheroes from becoming superheroes, and my favorite is they go back... Uh, and they're they're um, by the ocean, and they take a, a thing of plastic soda can rings and throw it in the ocean, which chokes uh, baby <laughs> Aquaman to death. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. so it's just it's just chock full of of all kinds of craziness and amazing references. I just love how they just constantly the Titans call um, Slade. They call him Deadpool through the whole movie, and you know. And Cyborg says, you know, look at the camera and say something inappropriate, Deadpool, you know, stuff like that. And so it's 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 definitely it's really funny and a lot of fun. I would recommend checking it out, even if you don't have kids. I I considered it until, you know, movie pass crash. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you watch, Ted? I watched actually a whole bunch of stuff. Awesome. I I sort of uh, went crazy and watched as much of the the last drive-in as I could. So I caught Sleepaway Camp, um, which was fantastic. He had, you know... Uh, Felicia Rose. I, yeah, Felicia Rose on there, which was so funny. They, they bounce off each other perfectly, and she actually made Joe Bob blush at some point. <laughs> um, I watched The Prowler. That was my first time. Somehow I had never seen The Prowler, so I watched it with him. And listening to him sort of um, rip on it while loving loving it at the same time, he was sort of he, he explained at the beginning, "I'm only showing this because the kills are great, but this movie sucks." <laughs> uh, that w- that was great. Um, his sarcastic tone, making fun of Rabbit, was great. That was another fun one. Um, I also watched Basket Case, which has probably been my favorite one I've seen so far out of the. Uh, oh yeah. The last drive-in, just because Joe Bob's love for this horrible film really shows. It does. He, wear, he wears his love for this film right on his sleeve. He was one of the first critics to review it and watch it. So yeah, he he defends it. I, I loved it. It was just it was so I don't know. It was like perfect in Joe Bob's element to watch. If, if you haven't seen the last drive-in episode with Basket Case, I don't care how many times you've seen Basket Case. It is so good with Joe Bob. Yeah, yeah what's great is like. Um, 
Joe Bob practically saved that movie, and he talks about it in there too on how you know he campaigned that movie, and, and um, the distributor contacted him about showing it in Texas or whatever, and and he's because at at that time the distributor took out all the gore. Like, right, and made it a comedy. Yeah, and made it a comedy, and Joe Bob's like, oh, we'll show the movie, but you have to put all those scenes back in first. So, you know, that's just awesome. And I've heard that story before, um, too, like how he was such he's he was such a big campaigner for Basket Case, and, um, and that's what's cool about this whole, this whole event. Not only do you get, like, some Joe Bob goodness, but you get some Joe Bob history uh, in, in this uh, whole event as well. Yeah, and uh, I actually watched something in a theater that was horror, and it's probably the one thing that's been released since uh, since we last recorded. I went and saw Unfriended Dark Web. <gasps> How was it? It was actually really, really good. Um, I, I feel like maybe I went into it with less expectations than I should have i don't know but uh so don't don't listen to me like talk about it and think you're gonna go see like a masterpiece but as someone who's on the outside looking in on how it was made i was pretty impressed because i i still has anybody even seen the first one yeah Mm -hmm. i never saw the first one so i'm not sure I'm, i'm i'm guessing it's sort of the same um idea but the whole movie takes place on like a kid's laptop screen yeah like the whole the, the movie screen from opening to the, the end is it never breaks away from a screen so I think the concept of that alone is pretty awesome because there's there's a few little uh, tricks they use but it almost the whole movie is almost one entire take you know and just the idea that that these unknown you know young actors had to do that I know that it was not an easy task you know what I mean and uh Thinking of it from a technical standpoint, thinking of how they ha- they had to get um, through this story with limiting themselves to being on one single laptop screen was actually pretty cool. But outside of the technical aspects of it, it had our little... It was three of us that went and saw it, and every one of us was completely engaged and uh, never got tired of it, never scoffed at it like i sort of went in thinking you know well i have movie pass i guess i'll go see this because it's the only thing that isn't surge pricing and isn't uh isn't a it doesn't have a rock in it so we'll go see and you won't have movie pass (laughs) for long right so i wanted to go see it and i was actually like i said pretty impressed it was tense and another concept i didn't even realize until i got home and sort of I, i always go see a movie then sort of google and see what uh you know, read about the director or different things after I've seen it because I don't want to spoil anything before. But I found out that they put this in the theaters with two different endings. Oh wow! And That's some uh, William Castle shit right there. Yeah. yeah. And what's what's funny was like I, when I found this out, I'm like, oh, I got to Google and see like more about that. And apparently, like I, I found another article about it where they're talking to the director, and he was like they asked him about it and he's like oh no i think whoever you heard that from is is messing with you he did not he was not made aware that they were doing this he knew that they filmed two endings but he was not made aware that they were putting them out like that and um and the two endings aren't just like depending on what what theater you go to it's what showing you go to because each theater has both endings (laughs) so you could go 
Yeah, so you could go Wednesday and see it, and then go back Friday and see a different ending. And uh, it was sort of funny because I was talking to another friend who saw it, and we were sort of trying to figure out which ending we each saw without spoiling our ending. So we were like going as far as we could, like, okay, did this happen in yours? Oh, yeah. Well, did this happen? Well, yeah. And like, we finally figured out what, what, how far it went, and it's drastically different ending. So I, I like that that they did this. You know, Blumhouse they've sort of mastered this. Like, we have, you know, it, it's a micro budget little movie that takes place on a laptop screen. It's clearly made for a younger crowd. You know, teens that that you know stay on their social media and stuff but uh it, you know as as an older as an older guy I, saw, I watched it and thought you know hey you know I, this is really well made and i think uh you know i think you guys would enjoy it too it was, it was a cool concept i won't i won't even talk about this. well i'll talk a little bit about the story just because it's it's not really spoilery if you've seen the trailers and stuff but basically this kid uh he he gets a laptop, a previously owned laptop, and somehow accidentally ends up on the dark web, which is like uh, where people use use it to buy like drugs or buy. You can you can hire a killer. You can buy videos of people being murdered or it, basically any anything that's on the underground. Like it's it's online. So uh, that's how as much as I'm going to talk about the story. But it, it gets very tense and it's it's believable. So. Given given the uh, title, I assumed it was about a technologically inept and very frustrated demon trying to figure out how the fuck cryptocurrency worked. <laughs> there's a there's a, it's not that far, but there's a little cryptocurrency involved in the story, and that plays into it. Which, it, like, when it hits that, I'm like, oh, I don't know how this works. This could be completely, you know, inaccurate, and I'd have no idea because I I'm not privy to that. But uh, yeah, it was. I honestly like if you, I don't I don't necessarily know you have to see it in theaters because like I said it takes the whole screen is just a laptop the whole time so, uh, don't uh, it's not it's not like it's a huge awesome theater experience but you know it's it's definitely worth a watch. Cool. See, I really liked the first one, so when I saw the trailer for this one, I got excited because I really enjoyed the the aspect of it all just being on a computer screen and just these people skyping. But this one seems like the most obvious transition to that with, you know, because the first one, I can't even remember if it was like a serial killer or if it was something supernatural that was killing him off, but there's really there was really no um, deeper story than that. And then with this one being tied to the dark web, I'm like, oh, that's that's just perfect. You know, that's that's a perfect progression for this for this uh, for this type of film. Yeah, and it's sort of uh, funny to think, like, you know, the premise revolves around a group of friends who gets on Skype and chats frequently, like we're doing <laughs> right now, and, uh, and shit goes bad, you know, for, for each of them one by one, so it's like, oh, you know, this touches touches uh, close to home a little bit, so, but they, they had video, which, um, you know, uh, if I don't know if we're doing it now because Jason's been spying on us, but uh, <laughs> you know, we we could make our own unfriended. We, apparently, we did last podcast without knowing. Jason made our own little unfriended sequel, and you know, he's probably selling it on the dark web because who knows what I did on front of my camera? But <laughs> no but yeah, go go check it out. Blumhouse has another nice little movie out there, and 
I don't know if it's going to be in theaters much longer, or if, but go check it out if your movie pass is still working. <laughs> That's a big if. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, tonight's topic. We are discussing the amazing Shutter event, the 24-hour, um, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Now, this premiered. It started. What t- what time did it start, Tad? Nine. I think it was supposed to start at 9, but it started probably closer to 11 or 11.30. Like, did it It didn't start till like, then, or it just didn't start working till then? It didn't start working till then. So this is one thing, like, going above and beyond the expectations of what this is going to do. It broke the it broke the internet there for a minute. Like, really um, everybody was having all these problems Skyping the show, and I didn't... Streaming. We, we, what's that? Streaming. Or streaming the sh- yeah, Skype, sorry. Streaming the show. <clears throat> um, and we didn't get to watch it right off the bat because we were going to Crypticon that weekend. But yeah. as soon as we got to the hotel, we took our Roku with us. And as soon yeah. as we got to the hotel, we plugged that sucker in. And it didn't work for the longest time. And then finally Rabbit came up and we watched it. Um, and I tried to stay awake as long as I could, but couldn't. Um, but I got up at like 6 the next morning and started watching it again. And what's, what pisses me off, and I don't know if this is what you experienced, Tad, but it, I would lose the connection every, at the end of the previous movie. So the f- previous movie would be done, and then it would cut out. And it wouldn't cut back in until the next movie started. Meaning, Which means I lost all the beginning of Joe Bob's um, talk and the drive-in totals. I missed the drive-in totals for each movie I saw. So... So, and then, you know, Shudder recognizing that, you know, this was a bit of a kerfuffle. They they put all the episodes... Kerfuffle. Um, put all the episodes individually on the <laughs> on their uh, service to watch at your leisure at any time. So, that is awesome. Um, yay, Shudder. Yay, Joe Bob. Um, so, so we we should just get into it. Um, you know, we 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 limit ourselves to like you know you know just a few films. So we're only going to be talking about like three different films and the experience of Joe Bob with that. And I figure we should just go we should just go straight in order, um, the way they they appeared. So the first one was Tourist Trap. Um, <clears throat> who wants to? Uh, anybody want to start us off? This one stars Daniel Stern and. Uh it was made by Disney. No. Wrong tourist trail. Anyways, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead with this one because I will say, um, yeah, b- before I even get into this episode, I just want to say it was, I- I'm very curious how uh, how it works. I don't know. Someone on this podcast might be smarter than I am, but like you said, uh, it seemed to, I-, I noticed people who did get it during this first, the first episode was Tourist Trap, and I'd say... No, no, absolutely nobody got on onto this uh, onto Shutter until at least like three fourths of the way through Tourist Trap. There was nobody at all that got to see the beginning of this thing. Um, they're playing the the original Night of the Living Dead, and that's what I was watching. And then it went black screen. Everybody's Shutter went completely black. So I'm very curious as far as the tech goes. I'm hmm. guessing this was on some different server than the rest of their stuff because it seems weird to me that. It played Night of the Living Dead all the way through to the end credits. It's not like everybody logged in at the exact same minute. Right. Like, or se- It had to be like to a second because everybody's cut out at the exact same time. So they must have had Joe Bob's on like a separate server or something. And then, like you were saying, I'm guessing they had the, 
they had to have had the intros and stuff on a on some kind of different platform or something was having issues because the movie seemed to be not not have once they got it going the movies were playing fine and then every time it cut to joe bob people it would disconnect people or log them out and that's so weird like hmm. you know it, it sort of gives a little insight into how what they were or what they were doing if if you know it had to be something going on with the tech but anyways this is my first time actually viewing tourist trap same i uh i had you know seen that poster seen the masks for years and years and meant to watch it, and then when it came up on the list, I could not. I was so excited. I, I, I made a fucking pizza. I went and got candy. <laughs> I had everything sitting down. My wife thought I was nuts. I'm like, oh, you got to see this guy. You'll understand. And then black screen for three fucking hours. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it was either cold pizza. So I just ate pizza while watching a different movie. But um, Tourist Trap was is, is a blast. It's about a group of uh, friends who of course get stranded at a roadside museum and uh there's a there's a man there who is uh played by chuck connors who keeps feeding them dr pepper and uh he owns a weird sort of wax museum on the side of the road and you know one by one these uh young young friends go missing and uh there's some creepy mannequins in it like I said, uh, it has some um, Dr. Pepper, a lot of Dr. Pepper, and it, uh, it's a hard. Have you seen Godzilla in 1985? Have you? Why is there more Dr. Pepper? Oh yeah. Or, <laughs> that's or, how uh, they. That's for, how they stop Forrest Godzilla. Gump. Forrest Gump. There's a lot of Dr. Pepper. It's a hard movie to describe without like spoiling everything, right? Because it, it gets batshit crazy in the movie. Um, because Chuck Connor, because somebody has telekinetic powers. Yeah, yeah. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Not yeah, because nice <laughs> yeah, because if I if I just describe the movie, it doesn't know justice because it's like, oh well, I've seen that with Texas Chainsaw with like House of a Thousand Corpses, and it's like, no, you haven't. Don't just you know. You, you on the paper, it looks like a normal movie, but you have to fucking watch it. This is so man. Yeah, this is like a a all- great. Joe Bob movie, yeah. Oh, perfect Joe Bob movie. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's like it, it starts off like your typical slasher, but then all of a sudden, your killer in the movie just happens to have telekinetic powers and makes the manic makes the mannequins come to life and and does all kinds of other crazy shit. And then you find out that it's like twins, but then you find out there's another twist on top of that that the that the evil twin is actually dead. So or is he? Oh. This movie's awesome. <laughs> I we maybe maybe I jump I get so excited about getting into this stuff. Maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. Maybe we should back the train up here a little. <laughs> Did was was Tad the only one that tried to watch tried to watch this straight through live? I didn't try to watch it straight through, but I like you guys were at Crypticon, I was at G Fest the same weekend. And like I took my laptop with me. So I could watch, it, you know, at least as I, I had intended on starting it Friday night because the festivities were over by then, and then I was just going to try to, you know, catch as much as I could, you know, during breaks on Saturday. So I was all excited, and I had I was telling the kids like how important Joe Bob was to me, and all like how cool, kind of like Tad explained it to his wife, like, no, you don't get it. Like this isn't the same thing as Mystery Science Theater or Riff Tracks. Just trust me. And it's important. So I, 
Yeah. Seventeen years. So I sit years. down. I, yeah. Yeah. I I sit down. I get the uh, the computer all set up. And it's just spinning. I thought, well, the hotel's Wi-Fi gets kind of fucky yeah. that weekend because the whole place is sold out to a bunch of nerds who are all trying to use the internet at the same time. So I waited and waited, and then I started checking Facebook and seeing, like, oh, I had a bunch of friends who were having the same problem. Like, I mean, Tad I saw was, and then a few other people I knew. And So, yeah, I I finally just gave up and, and went to sleep because stuff kicked off pretty early Saturday morning. And then... Uh, when I got up Saturday morning and just turned the computer on as I was like getting dressed and brushing my teeth and stuff and got to see a little bit of it. But so I, I attempted, but didn't get, I only saw maybe a combined total of like 45 minutes of it actually going out live and was so sad. And then was very excited to hear that they were going to put them all up, uh, individually as episodes. So, yeah, let's see. So like I said, we made it through most of rabid and then the next morning I got up at six Started watching Daughters of Darkness, which was the worst movie to be playing at 6 in the morning. So I fell asleep during that and um, woke back up for... I, I, I made it through the last half of Blood Feast and, and almost all of uh, Basket Case. And then it was Start and Reanimator and then we had yeah, to go. It was go. Start and Reanimator and we had to go, yeah. Um, Tad, how much of it did you make it through? Well, it's sort of, this is like, I don't know, man, this is such a unique, cool event, because um, first off, you know, it, was, it wasn't like, like Brian said, it was just spinning, and I was sort of frustrated, but you, I went online, and I see these people, and there's like, for the first time, and maybe I can remember since the invention of the fucking internet, people are like celebrating the fact that it's down. Like, yeah. people were, people were sort of frustrated, <laughs> we but they did like, it! <laughs> Yeah, we fucking did it. Like we told you, Joe Bob was we awesome. Told man. you, yeah. and shut. It's like you know, Shutter gave him the chance, and we, we, we love him so much. We shut your whole service down. So now you, you know, now fix it and let us watch it. But you know, they. I think everybody sort but of knew you know. they would. They're, they're going to make this right. You know, they didn't film this, yep. and so that nobody could watch it. Um, so that was sort of a cool reaction, and just in this day and age, you don't. You know, horror, horror, the horror community is one of the few that uh, is like so diehard. But people, it's it's strange for a genre like this. The people are so close knit, and uh, yeah. it was just cool to experience something, even if it was the fact that Shutter was shut down as a communal sort of experience. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I got on, I got on Instagram, and um, one of my favorite clothing companies, Cavity Colors, Aaron Crawford, he. He somehow was getting it in Atlanta. He had gotten um, tourist trap like halfway through, so he set up like a tripod with his phone and was streaming it through Instagram. So I'm sitting there like watching <laughs> it through my phone, like a lunatic. But it's like I, it, <laughs> it was like, do it. yeah. But it's like it's there. I found a, a, a way to watch it, you know. And uh, it's just that's it's just sort of cool, like that. There was like maybe there was like 300 people watching it on his Instagram. You know, so people were share, sharing that link, like, "Oh, go to this guy's Instagram. He's streaming it." So everybody's jumping in, and they're like, "How do you have it? How do you have it?" Then his would go down, and people would be freaking out, like, "Where, where do we go now? Where do we go That's now?" That's exciting. Uh, but it was just, you know, it's it's weird how something not working can be sort of add to the experience. You know, it's it's as if you went, you all went to the drive-in theater, and the film reel went bad, or you know, the projector ate the reel, or something. But. Uh, a lot of those experiences. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just the overall experience. But to answer your question, because I 
completely ignored it at first. <laughs> um, I made it. I, I started watching Tourist Trap through Instagram, and to the beginning of Sleepaway Camp, then people started reporting like, "Oh, refresh, refresh, it's going up." And so I refreshed, and Sleepaway Camp was about ten minutes in. So uh, refreshed it, got up on the, got it up on the TV, watched that, and made it through all the way through. I'm thinking, oh, probably rabid. And I, yeah, because I, I, I called it a night when uh, Bol, the Bolorama came up. Oh, Ted! <laughs> I had already heard that once. You know, recently uh. I did not need to try it for it again, and it was like I don't know, three a.m. or something. He would have made. So it then better. I woke back up and watched. I think I watched part of Reanimator, and I was watching as much as I could through my phone as we went to St. Louis for uh, Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. So I did not catch. As much as I would have liked to on Saturday, but uh, I put in a valiant effort on Friday night. So yeah, Mike, did you get a chance to watch any of it when it was stream when it was streaming live? Um, actually, no, I didn't. I didn't. I I, I did not at all. We I was, should have invited you to our I was room. Bu- I was too yeah. busy with other stuff at Crypticon. Yeah, I bet you were way too busy. Yeah. So <clears> yeah, I had a lot. You know, because we're all kind of you know, a bunch of us hanging out, and then we're all going out to eat and hanging out doing some parties and so we're, we're just having a good time cool cool so yeah so um yeah i'd just like to to say something kind of going off of what tad was talking about uh when you were trying to watch it through the cavity colors instagram like it's and i'm talking about the horror community and and how important this this really was to all of us that the people would go to such and I'm sure it wasn't that hard to put your phone on a tripod and point it at your TV, but even that much effort in this day and age, like that somebody, and I've heard of that happening in, you know, multiple different places. It wasn't just, you know, that one Instagram account that lots of people were trying to kind of going to extraordinary measures to sort of monkey fuck these hodgepodge ways of <laughs> watching this. So other people could see it where their servers were down or whatever. I, challenge anyone to think of something analogous that would happen that people would go to those lengths for like no one would you know if netflix crashed when the new season of oranges the new black came out you wouldn't have a bunch of bored housewives wanting prison sex uh (laughs) you know trying to figure this shit out and and broadcast it through like weird alternative methods Maybe something as big as like the Super Bowl, possibly, would, uh, that would people would go to these links for, but only something like this, something that nerds love, would that kind of thing. And yeah. you know, Joe Bob uh, released a little um, editorial about you know everyone congratulating him on breaking the internet, and he's like, you know, when you go to the effort to write and and produce and perform a show like this, like. The, the end goal is not that you don't want anyone to see it. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm a professional. We, we all have fun here, but I'm a professional, and I was mortified that this happened because I thought people were going to blame me. So, you know, he was glad that people were okay with it and, and wanted him, but he felt bad about it. But he was saying that even just until maybe not even <clears throat> 10 years ago, when, when people started talking to him at conventions and stuff, like, that he had any idea how important he was to people. And that kind of like i get that a lot of g fest when somebody comes over from japan for the first time and has no idea that people love these silly rubber lizard movies they made 40 years ago but 
you know, Joe Bob's here in America with us. He he's on the internet. Yeah. He goes to conventions. How did he not know what a huge part he played in everyone's lives? And I'm sure we'll get into our little, you know, our own little testimonials later. But but it's just a statement to his stature, I guess. Yeah. And it's it's really cool too because it's like I didn't when they announced this. I was like, oh, this is you know fucking great and i know my small group of friends that records a podcast all love joe bob but uh you know i, I didn't expect for it to shut down shutter i thought you know oh this is the last drive-in and and uh we're very lucky that shutter gave him the chance a day and and this will be uh you know a fun little thing you know i didn't I, of course i i know what he means to me and what he you know i've talked to people who were like oh i loved that show growing up i loved him you know uh, whether it was Monster Vision or the drive-in, but to find out, you know, Sh- Shutter's a run by AMC. They're a very big, you know, as far as it's a it's a niche thing, but it's still run by a very large company. It's not, you know, someone doing it out of their home or something. And it takes some serious fucking power to shut that down. Uh, and you know, like like he was saying, Joe Bob, he was actually on like social media on facebook twitter everything sort of joking back and forth about it knowingly probably freaking the fuck out at wherever he was you know and i'm sure there was people freaking out at shutter too but um it's just i don't know even you know like i he was saying he was trying to you know brian was saying he was trying to explain how why it was different why it was cool and uh i once they put the episodes up, I sort of, you know, I brought my friend Adam over and Nikki, and they weren't, um, Joe Bob was not a part of their life, so I was like, you know, I, I'm very curious to see if they watch this and think, you know, who's this fucking weird cowboy that watches bad movies and makes stupid <laughs> jokes? You know, to, I was I was hoping that they would not watch it and just think, you know, what is wrong with you? Why does this matter? And they both just fucking loved it, and I was like, oh, thank awesome. God, you know. Yeah, so, and, and it takes, you know, sometimes you watch movies with a group of friends, it's like, it's one of those things where you're wa- you're almost watching them to be like, you know, I hope they're not on their phone, I hope they're not bored, I hope yeah. they like what I like, and they just, they were so engaged when he came on in his little segments, and they were cracking up, I was like, oh, you know, so it's, it wasn't like uh, so many times when you go back and watch something that you loved, and you realize it was just pure nostalgia, it wasn't, like, it's, this is not nostalgia for me, this is like, he... He could. I hope you know they announce he's going to be doing another something else later this year. But it's like, man, I would love you know if, if he wants to do it, I would love to have him as a regular staple in my life again. It's just yeah, so yeah. it's still it's still so good, and he's still keeping it great <clears throat> in modern times. It's like he didn't you know never miss a step. It's, yeah, bring, that, bring back a weekly show. I'm sure they're just going to yeah. do another marathon. That seems to be the impression I've gotten. But man, to just bring it back full time and keep it there would be. Yeah, that was going to be my point, too, is that it didn't feel like, you know, as soon as it starts up, man, it doesn't feel like he missed a beat, you know. He just, was just on, and there's there's something so personal about him when you're talking, and I think that has a lot to do with his success. Not only is he overly educated in this type of cinema, um, and he's funny, but, like, he's also very personal. And I love those moments when he's like, 
um, talking about the movie, and he's like, okay, let's get back to the movie! And then the camera pivots, and he turns to the camera, and then he talks for another five, ten minutes. So good. Yeah. And, it, and it feels like those are the moments, those are the moments that are, like, behind the scenes. Like, he's just talking to you at that moment. Like, the, the, the thing before was the big grandstand of, like, now back to the movie! Okay, okay Mike, so here's, here's really what I think of, um, you know, whatever, you know, so... And didn't I, I all think these that's uh, is a big contributor to his success. Yeah, and didn't yeah. didn't and, these seem a lot better? Or I mean, a lot longer this time. It felt like it, but you know, I, no. I, and it probably was too because he doesn't have the limitation. didn't have the limitations of like ne- of the networks, yeah. you know, the cable, the commercial television. So didn't have to make time for the commercials. He got to talk during the commercial time. Yeah, he was the commercial time. Yeah, and those little asides you're talking that really speaks to his talent not just as a a pillar of exploitation film knowledge and a great horror host everything but as as a smart performer because don't you think for a minute he doesn't know exactly what effect that has like those Mm -hmm. are totally calculated and and by calculated i don't mean that it's a callous thing like he's that he's like playing you or anything it's just he knows what works he knows how to do it well yeah, well, yeah, he's been doing it for a long time, and the thing is, is like we got to see Joe Bob at a uh, yep, uh, what was it called? B movie celebration. B movie celebration. Years ago, and he introduced a few films at the event, and it was it's it was just the exact same thing, you know, just spot on. So you know, it doesn't matter if it's television, it doesn't matter if it you know was seventeen years ago, you know. You know, forty-four years ago, it doesn't matter if it's live on stage. He's he's just uh, he's one hundred percent Joe Bob every single time. So anyway, um, yeah, it's just cool to hang out with. Yeah. So so how this whole thing started started out? If you were lucky enough to see it, you know, see it live, it was it's like Tad said they were playing Night Living Dead, and then during the credits. Uh, you know, Joe Bob, you know, headshot of Joe Bob pops up and says, you know, up next the, you know, you know, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, and 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 then it then it cuts to like where it's like shot on, Video. like it was like recorded yeah. on a VHS tape, yeah, which I really appreciated. It, again, it I think the other thing the Joe Bob's success is that he knows his fans because he is one he is one of us, so. The fact that they did like the whole first segment, ten know. minutes of this of this event to make it look like it was like recorded on VHS tape. I mean, because that was us. We were recording Joe Bob Briggs on VHS tapes back on the Monster Vision days and what have you. And you'd always catch the TNT bumpers. You know, you'd always yeah. start the tape a couple of seconds early and catch the end credits or something. And that was a healthy dose of the warm fuzzies right there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then it starts off with the intro to his his you know first show, uh, with the drive with the drive in and all that, and then when it cuts to inside the trailer, I just I was already laughing my ass off. He just walks in, he pivots, looks at the camera, and he's like, "You ever seen the Beast Within?" <laughs> <laughs> and it just just starts right in. Yep. And like my new word now from here on out, this is my new word. Um, Katie diddled. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Katie diddled. Did anyone else get kind of a like 
Mr. Rogers of Exploitation vibe. Yeah, <laughs> not picking oh, out the bolo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. and then I I saw your comment in that. There's like a whole new Facebook community that came about because of this, and uh, someone commented that he actually had a picture of Mr. Rogers on the fridge. Yeah. Uh, oh, did he? I missed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see it until someone mentioned it. That's awesome. So awesome. So yeah, so so we should probably get back to tourist chat. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. So again, tourist chat being the first movie that uh, he showed, and um, man, again, like Joe Bob's just overall knowledge, and you know, I understand like it's it's scripted, but it's still coming from somewhere, and he, I just know he knows this stuff, or he knows how to really research this stuff, but. Uh, Tourist Trap uh, from 1979. It's directed by David um, Schomer. Schmoller. 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 Who did uh, Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski. Uh, did the first uh, Puppet Master. Uh, so he's worked with Charles Band a lot. Um, and he only does panels with really cool people. Because <laughs> he was on a panel that we were on. That's right. Uh, at the at Hot Springs Horror. Um Horror Film Festival a few years back, so that was pretty surreal getting to be on the same panel as as him and Jeff Burr. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, and you know the movie stars Chuck Connors and Tanya Roberts. Um. Yeah. I had. This was the first time I'd watched this movie straight. The only time I'd seen Tourist Trap before was the Riff Tracks version. Oh. And while the riff tracks is funny, I could, and and here's, that's not the way to see a movie for the first time, <laughs> because, you know, the, the, it ended and I thought, well, that was funny, but why? Because I'd heard of the movie before, and you know, people talk about it from time to time how much they love it and how great it is, and why do people like this movie? It was fucking stupid and it didn't make any damn sense. <laughs> Well, turns out that's just because Mike, Kevin, and Bill were talking over it the whole time. So when I sat down and watched it this time, I was like, what? That, that's a pretty damn good movie. <laughs> so it really changed my view on uh, on Tourist Trap because I was like, uh, I, I mean, I want to hear what Joe Bob has to say about it because maybe that'll make it interesting, but I know this movie's going to be a chore. And then I totally got sucked in. It's like, no, it's not a chore at all. I just shouldn't have watched it for the first time with people telling jokes over it. That opening scene, I just love that opening scene of the guy just with the mannequins popping out everywhere and laughing at him, and it's it's just really creepy, I think. And then when things start going crazy, and he, you know, he he, you know, puts his hand through the door, and something on the other end's grabbing him and stuff. It's a really it's a really cool scene. You don't know what the f is going on, but it's it's a really great scene. Even with that awesome music going on. I love really? the score. Are you serious? I do! Because it, oh. it's so bizarre. <laughs> it's the weirdest film score in the history of cinema, man. Uh, Pino DiGaggio. Who's a fucking genius. Yeah, he's done a ton of amazing scores. and <laughs> But then he did this one. Like... There's moments with this, with some of the score you're just expecting like Laurel and Hardy to come stumbling into the frame. Like is this a, is this a comedy score or is it a horror movie score? 
with those weird pops and what's that thing called that makes the sound? <laughs> don't. Come on, the noisemaker. I don't yeah. want to know. Glockenspiel. No, I have no idea. That's probably not it. I just wanted to say Glockenspiel. <laughs> uh, am I the only one that likes the score? I, I had no problem with it. I had fun with it. Yeah, cool. it's my first time watching, so it's like uh, I I don't know. It didn't it didn't stand out to me. I, I listened to it after Joe Bob talked a little bit about it because I think did he mention? I think it was this that he talked about how uh, he basically did it as like a favor for the director. Yeah. 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 That's the thing, like, since we're here talking about the Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in, like, we would share trivia and stories about the movie and stuff. He already did. He already did that. And yeah, yeah, I, I thought guarantee of that. Yeah. anyone listening to this either has seen last drive-in or is going to very shortly after, but I can't imagine anyone would come to the, the podcast first and be like, oh, who's this Joe Bob Briggs guy? I should check that out, you know? So it's like, what... What do we talk about except for how awesome Joe Bob is talking about these movies? <laughs> it's a good point because I was writing up notes while watching some of these movies. And here I'm trying to figure figure out um, trivia that I could contribute that Joe Bob doesn't talk about. So I'm writing things up about the director. Yeah, he did Crawl Space. He did Puppet Master. Um, um, but he did the short film that I have uh, called Please Kill Klaus Kinski that he wrote and stars in as himself. And it's just basically him talking to the camera about the horrible experience of making a movie with Klaus Kinski. Um, and it's on Volume 1 of Troma Dance's uh, uh, DVDs. And so here I'm writing it up, and he did a short film called uh, Please Kill Klaus Kinski. And then Joe Bob says it on the show. I'm like, God damn it. He even mentioned that, so... So Joe Bob leaving no stone unturned. Mike, what do you yeah, thought? It's not even like it was a full commentary either. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he talked for probably a total of thirty minutes. Which I've said on the show before. If if you have not listened to a Joe Bob Briggs commentary, you're really missing out. If you think you're getting a ton of information um, and having a lot of fun in those like five ten minutes between the movie, you know, imagine a whole commentary with him. It's they're incredible. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Tourist Trap? Um, th- this was actually my first time seeing this movie as well. So I was really excited to see this. And I got through that first scene. Overall, I'm actually going to say this is probably the first time I actually watched a horror movie and actually felt it to be genuinely scary at times. Yeah. Because um, that opening scene, if, if you're not a doll person or whatever, that scene is horrifying. Oh yeah. My, my 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 son would watch probably about five minutes of this movie, like I said, and he's eighteen, and he would just bolt out of the room because he wouldn't be able to handle this movie. It's just it's that crazy, and it keeps doing that. I mean, it keeps upping its own ante at times. Whenever those like mannequin mouths, you see the mannequins, it's like okay, those are very well done, those are creepy, and then those mouths open, and they're yeah. like a great big gaping. Ma- open mouth and the way it laughs or screams at you, whatever. I was like, Jesus, God, oh God, no, that's that's not right. That is just that is terrifying, you know. And 
but a few of the other scenes they do throughout that movie when um you know when, when he's covering the girl's face in the plaster oh jesus yeah that, uh, that was that's a harsh harsh scene and then the, you know the way they did the animatronics I you know I'm 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 kind of a sucker for that because I'm a huge Dr. Fibes fan. So it made me think yeah. of Dr. Fibes. Oh I yeah. Was, I love that. That was crazy cool. And then there was a few kills. I'm watching it like like uh you know the uh a couple of the the kills I saw it, it had my mouth hit the floor almost. I'm like, "Oh, I did not see that coming." Which I thought was actually really pretty sweet. You know, when like the Indians throwing like the uh hatchets and stuff like that it's like oh wow that that did not go the way i thought it would you know yeah <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was just crazy you know and i'm what and i i actually watched this earlier today you know I, i'm watching this in my shop you know lights on and everything like that i was like i can only imagine how much what i would be feeling if if i'd watch this at night in the dark it would just be unnerving yeah you know the, the only times it really kind of took me out is like when the brother starts talking Kind of takes me out just a little bit, but his actions are just—they're—they're they're brutal. Oh yeah, totally. So, but then the other thing, though, I will say—I I will say about this though too—it did reaffirm my uh, uh, original crush for Tanya Roberts, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I—I I, had—I had an all-out, just absolute. It was good. It was just hands down good and creepy. And if I was to tell people watch watch something kind of scary, check this out. It's actually it'll give you a few a few chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you absolutely. There's some really you know, like I said, the opening scene. I, I find it very creepy, and the whole doll thing in general. I like in the end where like some of them are come to life, and it's just it's just. The act, the actors. Uh, I like how the one guy, who you think is saving the day, but it turns out he's just a doll too. And you know, um, now the scene that you mentioned, Mike, with the uh, you know putting her face in plaster. Oh yeah, it, it's an intense scene, wow. sure. But as a guy who does special effects myself, I'm kind of taken out of that scene because the whole time I'm like, that's that's some that's not plaster. That's not. That's he is not making a mold of her face. That looks like that looks like dough. He's and then making I, pancakes on her. And then I read in the uh, IMDb trivia that it was dough. That it, they were actually yeah. they didn't really use plaster. And I'm like, man, I called it. That's not how you make a life cast. Even if you are trying to suffocate somebody, that's not right, how you make but, a life cast. Yeah, but that, but the whole but the whole idea though of. Him doing that where oh yeah and basically telling her those like you're not gonna suffocate your heart's just gonna stop first it's like oh dang that was rough yeah so you weren't laughing hysterically during that scene no I was not laughing at that one now I was uh, the the second you know he put those straps over her head and he's like nailing the straps to the wood to the table I was like oh this is not gonna be pretty <laughs> I, w- I was like that that was one of those few times like this one had a few scenes that really kind of got to me. Yeah, I definitely, I thought, I sort of going into it, um, I'm just so used to Joe Bob on Monster Vision that I watched him sort of rip on some pretty bad movies. But even 
even the worst of the movies, he always gave respect and love to. But yep. um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what, as someone who hadn't seen Tourist Trap, but heard a lot of um, love from it from fans over the years. I mean, I have friends who are like, you know, they can't believe I hadn't seen it before, and they own, you know, masks and different posters and stuff. And I sort of knew that it uh, going in that it was creepy and um well-respected movie but i also you know i was sort of waiting to see if joe bob i don't know i take i take his opinion very uh seriously so i don't know he 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 always has fun with it too but um yeah like mike said it was for a first watch i felt like it had some genuine very genuinely creepy moments and watching it with a couple of other people who had never seen Joe Bob, didn't know who he was, and had no idea, had no no notions of, at all. I had never even heard of Tourist Trap when they went into it. It was, it was good, because, you know, they they did not, it, it kept everyone's attention. It didn't, uh, no one sort of sarcastically laughed at it, or, I mean, there, there was some funny stuff, obviously, when Joe Bob points out the uh, Dr. Pepper thing, I can't, like, not see it then it's like, I, don't, right. I don't know yeah. if I, I don't know if he would have even realized you know how many dr peppers he feeds these girls throughout the movie unless he had said something but the uh th- that shit always cracks me up when he he brings up little things like that and that's like that's what i'm gonna see every time i watch this now <laughs> but uh as someone who also was not familiar with the uh life and career of chuck connor's his yeah. his analysis on him was fascinating i mean honestly like him talking about that it's like this dude could you know joe bob could do a fucking you know he could narrate the the true hollywood story of chuck connors and it would probably be fucking awesome well he mentioned i think it was during the the beginning of the whole event he had talked about how you know the first show he did, and then 17 years later, he did Monster Vision, and now it's 17 years later. But he talked about how on Showtime, he hosted an Emmanuel marathon. Yes. And, like, I don't really have any desire to watch any Emmanuel movies, but I really what? want to see that marathon. Oh, come you on. Have, you've seen some of them, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've seen some of them. I, I, I have Emmanuel and the Last of the Cannibals. Yeah, I, I need know to get I've that seen... stuff and just put it out on Blu-ray. But yeah, uh, Emmanuel in America and Emmanuel around the world are great. Yeah, I can't tell you which ones I've actually seen. You know, beyond the for a very one. specific given value of great, but <laughs> I, I really like those two a lot. The Laura Genzer, like the fake Emmanuel single M movies from Italy, are yeah. way better than. The French double M ones. But I want to see that entire marathon now. Exactly right. <laughs> Because bizarre. I mean, not just like mostly for Joe Bob, but bizarre Euro smut is another sort of subgenre obsession of mine. <laughs> so, I would very much like to hear what he has to say about that stuff. Absolutely. Time for I, a box set showtime. Yes, I, I know. I would just be like riveted the whole the whole time. You know, I, I not not that I would want to sit through an entire Emmanuel marathon, but put Joe Bob there and I'm, I'm hooked. I want to, I, when he said that, I'm like, Oh, I want to see that. Jason, what are your thoughts on tourist chap? You haven't really said much. 
I thought, I thought I liked it. Yeah, it was my first time too, and um, I guess I got past the music. <laughs> but it was nu- it was nuts. It was bonkers. I loved. I I thought uh, Chuck Connors was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed his scenes because, like Joe Bob said, he definitely acted circles around everyone else. Um, but. And but yeah, it was it was cool seeing him in such a departure from the westerns and all that. Um, I yeah, the movie's just fucked up. Just it is mannequins and stuff. I I thought it too before Joe Bob said it, but I'm like these uh there are moments with the the bad the bad guy uh, looking a lot like Leatherface. Mm, yeah, you know. with that mask, with that uh-huh. one female mask, yeah. Uh-huh. Especially the pretty, the pretty yep. mask, the dinner scene mask in the original Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yep. thought it had kind of a similar build that and the, and the big curly hair and yeah. But apparently they, he'd worked on it, so the director. So, well, the right. effects guy it was the oh, same effects, effects guy. guy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go around. I have a question for all of us. Okay. One at a time. He, I think it was, what, like, he he mentioned. Um, I believe it was Robin Sherwood. He said something. He called her the best looking of the bunch. And I'm with Mr. Reeb in that Tanya Roberts. I was, I in my mind, I was like, oh, clearly she's like, you know, the hot one of the group. So, where does everyone else stand? I say Tanya Roberts too. Wait, which one did he say was the hottest? I thought it was either it was I thought it was it's, Robin Sherwood. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it's the blonde, the the final girl the lead? who makes no, it out. Yeah, yeah. No, that wasn't Robert Sherwood. Uh Robert Sherwood, she wasn't she the other uh, brunette? I think he mentioned that the first one to go was yeah. the one he Eileen. said that they killed off yeah. the prettiest one. So was that oh. uh yeah, that was Eileen, which was Robin Sherwood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking with Tanya Roberts, I think. Okay. Tanya all the way. That's weird because he said that she also played Chuck Bronson's daughter in Death Wish too, and I don't remember her looking like that. But maybe I need to see Death Wish too again. I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, if if we're going that route, then yeah, Tanya Roberts for sure. Jason, oh, I was uh, I was going to say uh, uh, Chuck Connors in the female Leatherface <laughs> mask. Hey, that that you if you can go that way if you want. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, there's something kind of sexy about that. Right? <laughs> he kept talking about how Chuck Connors was so good-looking and all that stuff, and I've seen him you know, on this and other things, and I've always thought he looked like his skull was trying to forcibly crawl out of his face. Like, <laughs> yeah. I never got the super <laughs> a bit of that. leading man. He's kind of skeletal and weird-looking. Yeah, the cheekbones and the chin, like, yeah. Yeah. He looks sort of like a, a Bond villain that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is going to be really bad of me to admit, but like, for for a while there, I kept getting Chuck Connors and Tab Hunter confused. I'd be like, oh, Tab Hunter was in this movie. No, that was Chuck Connors. Because both of those actors are people, or actors that I was familiar with of films towards the end of their career and not the highlights of their careers, so... 
I can't I can't think of a situation where either of them ever came up in a conversation in my life, so I <laughs> never have gotten them confused. <laughs> well, Tab, Tab Hunter um, was in, po- in John Waters' Polyester, so you know by default oh. I have to familiarize myself with Tab Hunter. But then he was also in this movie called um, Pandemonia. Has anybody seen that besides me? Or is, wait, Pandemonium. Sorry. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. It is a mess of a movie. It's directed by um, Alfred Souls, the director of uh, Alice Sweet Alice, and it is a horror movie parody film. And it's got it, it's got an interesting cast because Carol Kane is in it, um, and uh, the guy who played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeves uh, Superman movies. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else is in it, but uh, Judge Reinhold in that. Yes, yes, thank you. Judge Reinhold, one of the Smothers Brothers. Yeah, and um, Tommy Smothers. Wait, which one's the straight one? Um, the, the the blonde. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tommy Smothers and Paul Rubens, pre-Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> um, is in it as well. And those are my favorite moments is because uh, um, Tommy Smothers plays the sheriff of the town, but he dresses like a Canadian Mountie. And he rides a horse literally through every scene of the movie, including inside the police station. And um, and Paul Rubens is his deputy, who is jealous of the horse because the horse gets treated better than he does. It is a bizarre movie. And and Tab Hunter plays the killer in the movie. And much like Tourist Chap, and this is probably why I get it confused, get the two confused. Is uh, he has? Uh, well, no, wait. He doesn't have telekinetic powers. Uh, it's uh, Carol Kane has telekinetic powers in Pandemonium. But it's it's uh, it's a horrible movie. But I love it. It's awesome. It's a horrible movie and it's awesome. I'm just warning you. If you if um, you seek it out, it's it's actually really really bad. But I I, I saw it at the right time or something. I thought it was. See, funny. What's, kind of, what's kind of funny though is like I, I, whenever I hear Chuck Connors, you know, I I kind of knew of him as a rifleman, but the only other real experience I had with him was back in the eighties. We rented Summer Camp Nightmare or something like that, and he he was like the head counselor or something like that in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, oh crap. We watched it for our summer camp episode. Was that no, was it cheerleader camp? Oh, what was that? Yeah, they, it was summer camp nightmare. I believe the name yeah. of the movie. Yeah, was. Yep. It was basically it was more like a kind of like a this one kid pretty much kind of like led us like this uh, revolt against the yep. people running the camp or whatever. Yeah, it was more oh. Lord of the Flies than a horror movie. Oh yeah, that's right. Awesome cover of Beef Baloney by Fear in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie was was way better than I expected too. Yeah. yeah. I watched a lot of Rifleman in my house growing up. So yeah, I bet you did. Knowing your dad, yeah. If they weren't on Mash or an Ernest movie, I didn't get to watch them. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else anybody wants to add about Tourist Trap or that particular part of the evening? Actually, one last thing on Tourist Trap. I was almost really disappointed in the ending. Because I, I was like, because I'm watching, you know, like the final 
scene in the house or whatever, and I was actually kind of disappointed. But then they give me one more scene at the end. I'm like, okay, I, I can handle this now. <laughs> oh, that, kind of a, that, that little final shot. I like. Okay, there we go. Her driving down the street with the mannequins. Yeah. In the, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I, was like, I was really hoping. It's like, man, I just kind of hope she just gets trapped there because I can't. Kind of liking this. I was really liking the ending, and I and I decided um, that if I ever remake Tourist Trap, I'm going to change the ending to where. It turns out she was just a mannequin the whole time, too. Because I was kind of expecting it to go that route, you know, because her friend... Oh, oh, that would be awesome. Her friend shows up with the axe to save her, but it turns out he's just a mannequin. So, yeah, that's going to be my remake of Tourist Trap. Yeah, that was the one thing I did not I did not see coming was him all of a sudden, oh, this guy's a... That's kind of cool. I mean, there was, there was really a lot of cool stuff in this movie. Yeah. For sure. So your your remake is going to have the Halloween three ending. <laughs> yeah, sure. Wait, okay. how is that like Halloween three? Because at the end, she's a robot the whole time. Oh, bum, bum, bum. spoiler alert! Um, see see where I'm going. I do. I thought you expected me to have Chuck Connors at, in a gas station screaming at the TV to turn it off. No, that's probably like what he was doing in real life. <laughs> when when he when he walked into a gas station and they were watching uh, Tourist Trap, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Tourist Trap. It was a great intro by Joe Bob. You know, he kicked it off really great. Him giving the history of Joe Bob and his shows and yep. And again, I just love how he compared his entire television career to the movie The Beast Within. (laughs) (laughs) Katie Diddle. Yep. She got Katie Diddled. Um, So yeah, so then jumping to probably about midpoint of the whole event, uh, the next film we're going to talk about is Demons. Mike, do you like this one? Of course. I was going to ask, why did you pick this one, Mike? But it's pretty obvious. I love Demons, man. This is probably, if um, if you were not to count any um, Lucio Fulci movies or Dario Argento movies, this is probably my favorite Italian horror movie. Well, technically, this is part Argento movie. So. Right. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've said this in the past, too. Like I feel like there's that time period, in this time period right here in particular... Um, from like mid to late 80s, where Dario Argento was doing as a producer that Steven Spielberg was doing as a producer in the early to mid 80s, where movies like Goonies and Poltergeist and um, Gremlins all have that kind of Steven Spielberg feel, and you wonder how much, as a producer, Steven Spielberg actually was involved. I kind of feel the same way here with like Demons um and the church where uh i feel like dario is way more involved as a producer than he should have been because it has more of a argento feel than definitely a lumberto bava feel especially if you compare like um demons one to demons two 
Uh, well, I I really like Demons Two as well. I don't think oh, it's as good as this one, but oh, I do too. Demons Two might be the only Lombardo Bava movie I've seen that I that wasn't awful. I mean, yeah, technically this is a Lombardo Bava movie, but like you said, Dario had a pretty uh, pretty heavy hand on it, and I think that was for the movie's betterment rather than detriment. Because have you seen Devilfish? Holy shit! Yeah, Devilfish is not good. L- and Lombardo Bava is one of the few people who managed to make a cheap jack cheesy monster movie that I can barely sit through. <laughs> and I watch a lot of shit. Trying to think of some other Lombardo Bava, and that so it just goes to show. Like I really feel like Dario had his hands in this quite a bit because it's like you said. Um, Demons 1, Demons 2 is really the only two. Because I went deep into Lumberto Bava after first seeing Demons. And um, I cannot think of another one. You shouldn't be sharing things like that here. (laughs) Um, I cannot think of another one at all that was any good. Um, Blade in the Dark was okay. Yeah. But now, Ghost Son, that was horrible. Um, yeah, so why did you ask me that, Tad? <laughs> I just, I when I watched this movie, I mean, I obviously have seen it several times. It's one of my favorites, too, but I've seen oh, it before sweet. I met you. But I always uh, associate this movie with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and wh- why, why is that in particular? Um, I don't know, maybe... Like the first couple times um, we met in person, you were wearing a demon's hoodie. Oh, my and hoodie. Um, yeah, oh, when we—I remember when we recorded a bonus episode, we picked the favorite movie from the year we were born. And I picked Demons, and it was like a proud father moment where you like <laughs> wanted to hug me through the podcast, like like you could not get over it. And I, you know, was like, you know, I'll I'll remember that one for a long time because it was like. You know, you were just so happy that I chose that movie. You were just so blown away. <laughs> yep. So when I saw on the list, I was like, well, yep, knew that one was coming, and that's yep. fine. I, any, You know, I was going to watch it anyways, especially with Joe Bob. I was excited. You know, it's like, as much as it's good to see a movie that, for the first time with Joe Bob, because... God knows I discovered so many during Monster Vision that, you know, oh, yeah. I would not have other watch, otherwise watched. But it's also very exciting to go back and watch a movie you've seen a hundred times to learn more through him. And it's like, you're really just watching for him. You know what I mean? You can almost just watch the clips, but it adds something yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing, too. I think there was even stuff I that I didn't know. My fa- One of my favorite parts of this whole oh, event... every single one, there's stuff you didn't know. It's what's well, yeah. so amazing it about it. It is what's amazing about it. Like, Sorry. Well, it's like, again, I go back to his commentaries. If you were to listen to his commentary track for um, the Ray Dennis Steckler movie Blood Shack, which is a chore and a half, and even he admits, like, this is a hard one, was a hard one for him, but he still does an amazing job sharing information about this piece of shit movie. Oh, but uh, my favorite, I think my favorite, one of my favorite moments of Joe Bob through this whole event was him trying to explain the entire Demons franchise. I knew you were going to love that part. It was, well, it was hilarious, and it was just like, and you know how I feel about that stuff, but how, he talks about how Demons, and in Germany, 
Um, Demons 2 came out as Demons 1, and Demons 1 was Demons 2. And then, like, the church was supposed to be Demons 3, but the director didn't want it associated with Demons, so, like, so then the org was Demons 3. But then, like, uh, the sect, which was made by the same director as the church, ended up being Demons 4. And then Demons 5 was was Lumberto Bava remaking <coughs> Black Sunday. And then Demon 6 was the um, Luigi Cozy movie, Black Cat. And like, And just him explaining yeah, it and explaining it. it. Awesome. Oh, it was just so hilarious and just awesome. I loved it. I had no idea that Demon's numbering went beyond Demon's 2. Like, I thought that was it. I've seen The Church before, and I really like that movie. And I've never seen The Sect, but uh, Code Red and Scorpion releasing just put both of those out on Blu-ray recently. So I'm going to have to buy that. And I totally want to see a movie called The Ogre that's an Italian horror movie. That sounds great. So, yeah, watching that is like, oh, my God. Like, I had basically the same reaction Mike did. I just got all excited. Like, now I need to see these other movies. And I love the 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 bizarre labyrinth of alternate titles that happens when European horror movies get released in other oh, countries. Man. and. Yeah, that's just that stuff fascinates me, and then you get so many weird, cool posters too. Like, yeah, fucking Thailand has the best movie posters, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew there was a Demons Three because I have the um, Shriek Show DVD of it, you know, which is you know, yeah, again called uh, the Ogre. Um, I'm trying to remember who directed that. It's not very good though, so don't get too excited. Oh, I was just going to go on eBay and look it up, but maybe I'll just wait. <laughs> It'll show up on YouTube or something. For some reason, I was thinking that one was directed by Lumberto Bava as well, but I can't... Right now, I'm trying to search, and I can't find anything. I can't find it right now on IMDb. But, um, yeah, it's... it. So I knew there was at least three, just because of um, Shriek Show. But yeah, I didn't know it went as far as, like, all the way up to six. It's awesome. There's one thing that really baffles me about all of that, the the nomenclature, the renumbering of the movies and all that. Uh -huh. I really want to know how the hell Joe D'Amato never had anything to do with any of them. Well, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like one of his movies would have been like retitled Demon 7 10 years after it came out or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it kind of looked like other than um, other than the uh, Luigi Cozy, it mostly stayed between um, Lumberto Bava and uh, how do you, how do you say his name? Michelle Selva Sova. Michaela Soavi. Yeah, I always say it wrong. I'm never going to be able to say it right. And uh, man, Luigi Cozy, that that guy's something else too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the the church man, the church is church freaking is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that is a cool movie. Yeah. But again, Mihaela Suavi is a really good filmmaker. Like I've seen a bunch of his <laughs> movies now, and I've liked every one of them that I've seen. Like Stage Fright is maybe my number one favorite slasher I've ever seen. Now that's pretty good. Um, Cemetery yeah. Man, obviously, is obviously. awesome. Yeah. But the sect. Um, that one uh, I had on v VHS under the title, uh, what was it called? Devil's Daughter, I think. Yeah, The Devil's <laughs> Daughter. And I remember you and I sat down and watched it. It was 
this was dating all the way back when we were filming Lights, Camera, Kill. Oh, boy. And I just remember, like, it was just, was not into it. It just was kind of boring. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess everybody's entitled to at least one miss, right? But Oh, but let's not forget his documentary he did on Dario Argento, too. Uh, um, uh, what was that? Uh, World of Horror? World was that the name of it? Yeah. Master of Horror? Uh, World, yeah, Dara Gento's World of Horror, which is still, I think, one of the best horror movie docs of all time. It's so good. But, but yeah, we're supposed to be talking about demons, but it's it's all still kind of related because um, uh, Sylvia, however you say it, um, play plays two parts in the movie Demons. Yeah. Um, he plays. A character in the movie within the movie, and then he plays the guy with the metal mask at the beginning and the end of the movie. But I can give a quick rundown on demons. Um, Do it. A group of people are invited to a screening of this uh, mysterious movie, uh, only to find themselves trapped within the theater and being taken down by z by demons. And it's not a zombie movie, even though it it kind of has that uh, you know zombie you know, flair to it of you get it, you get attacked by one of these creatures and you become one. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get bit, if you, or even if you just get slightly right. scratched. You're going to turn into one of these MFers. So, and the theater itself, I always think, I always thought in this terms of this movie that the theater itself is a demon, is a creature, because. You know, they, they try to, you know, all the people try to escape by going through the lobby of the theater, but just, you know, but it's all bricked. It's all bricked up. You can't get through the glass doors. They're tearing down walls to reveal other rooms. Like, how massive is this freaking movie theater, right? So, I always thought that the, the theater itself was, was, was a demon or, or, you know, some kind of entity um, as well, so... But I love this movie. It's such a gore fest. It's awesome. You what? can tell you love this movie. I do. I do. Well, somebody else talk about it. I'll just keep gushing. This was maybe... I, I don't think it was the first Italian horror movie I'd ever seen, but it was right towards the beginning, back when I would just... You know, they were all coming out in these cool clamshell cases, like the hard plastic VHS cases from Anchor Bay. And they put out this and, and Fulci's Zombie and a whole bunch of other stuff. And every time we'd, like, we'd go to the Mall of America to go clothes shopping for school or whatever, because there's no clothing tax in Minnesota. So Mom would be like, oh, that's an excuse for a shopping trip. Let's go up there. And I always have to go to the Suncoast video. And I just, nice. you know, this was somewhat pre, well, yeah, it still was probably pre-internet days. Um, or at least, you know, right on the cusp when there really wasn't that much stuff on the internet yet. Yeah. And it was... You know, I, I bought Fangoria, but there wasn't much else around our little putsy news. You know, there, there weren't any other real deep dive horror mags. That was basically the only source of information I had for these things. So I was just blind buying so much to like, oh, it's Italian. I'm going to buy this because they're gory and weird. And, uh, yeah, I remember watching this one and just going, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I'm used <laughs> to these things being strange, but damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think with this one, to me, actually, after watching um, 
like Suspiria and Zombie, and it wasn't it wasn't even close to my first Italian horror movie. But uh, I felt like this one was for like the first time. I didn't. It wasn't. I don't know. I'm. I felt like the story was so very very simple that that's what I liked about it. There wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to figure out what they were. What was happening? I wasn't, you know, it was some of them you just sort of watch, and it's like this doesn't make much sense, but it's gorgeous and it's gory and it's awesome. With this one, it sort of had everything I like about it, yeah. And that it, it just there's really no story to it. Uh, it has <clears throat> has gnarly demons, has oozing fucking pus buckets, has uh, it's it's set in a movie theater, which I fucking love. Uh, you, so you sold me on that. It has fucking swords motorcycles helicopters <laughs> uh pimps uh yep you know oh everything it's like just it's it reminds me of um i would have like they they pulled a movie out of my brain when i was 14 and they put it all somehow in. Tr- yeah they, <laughs> they threw it all into one movie and hired an italian director and it's like here you go here's what you came up with and i'm like great this is and the fucking soundtrack we haven't even mentioned that oh yeah i love the soundtrack like it's so random it's like i remember the first time i saw it, i'm like wait is that what i think it is and then late then you know 10 minutes later it's like another like why are they using like 80s american you know hair metal That's motley crew right there yeah right <laughs> iron maiden yeah. woo and the whole subplot of you know these uh, punks driving around town sorting coke off nipples and shit. It's like <laughs> once again, you know, it's like this has what is this? What's going on here? But I I like it. So fourteen <laughs> <laughs> year old Tad loves it. Yeah, yeah. As a script, it it seems like it was written by a fourteen year old, but Maybe. like certain, yeah, super simple. But yeah. But oh man, it is it's just just so much fun. I mean, there's a lot of like character things that don't make any sense. Like why would a char- why would this character do this? I mean, why would a blind man go to the movies? Right. You know. <laughs> right. Why wh- how did this how did that one woman how that one lady get a job at the movie theater? Like I want to know the interview process of getting hired at the movie theater. Like who did did she interview with the guy in the metal mask? Right. And when they think to barricade themselves away from the demons, why do they pick the balcony? And then when they hear a slight noise, why do they instantly think they're being saved and tear down their barricade from the balcony? And how do you ride a motorcycle across the top of movie theater seats? (laughs) Yes! A really good question. But none of that matters! Right, and that's what I love about it, is that fuck it, you know, like... We don't need. We don't think about it. This is a truly a movie you can shut your fucking brain off and just watch, and <laughs> just it's and it's fun and it's great. It. And you know, it's. I I remember showing. This was one that I I considered showing um, for my birthday every year. I show two movies at the Capitol, and I don't tell anyone what I'm showing until they're sitting down watching it. And I considered this one several times just because I want to see it in a sort of old theater. Oh, that would be uh, amazing. Yeah, and I'll you bring know what? my motorcycle. You guys, yeah, <laughs> you guys would have loved it. And then um, I show I showed it to a few friends that you know would normally have come, and they're like, "Oh, I'm glad you didn't. I don't know about this one." I'm like, "Really? Oh. I couldn't believe that. I was sort of sad that they didn't they didn't have as much of a blast it, blast with it as I did. I mean, there's a demon that like 
crawls out of a woman's back. Yeah. You know? yeah. Splits her back open and comes out. It's, it's so rad. You know, the, when the demons are coming up the stairs and their eyes are glowing. How do you not love this movie? Oh, that's such an awesome image. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Just all those demons coming and they're all silhouetted, but you just you got the glowing eyes. It's freaking awesome. My only real complaint of this movie is the the bald black pimp dies too soon. <laughs> he's my favorite character. I think he's everyone's favorite character. Did anyone see the uh, what I posted about while I was watching this movie? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. So I, I was watching this with Isabella. And uh, she's well, the pimp shows up and she goes... <laughs> Why does that guy have sideburns still, but he's bald? That bugs me. <laughs> and I said, well, when I go bald, I'm totally keeping my sideburns. And she goes, please don't. You're not a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too I late. I just love the image of you sitting down with the family to watch <laughs> demons. Yep. It's it's that kind of house, man. <laughs> man, it's it's just not fair. I'm just so jealous. I sit down and watch stuff with my son, and it's freaking Captain Underpants cartoons, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but in due time, patience, <sighs> young pal. Keep telling myself I was just like him at ten. I didn't. My horror gene didn't spring out until probably about. Eighth or ninth grade, so I know you say you'll be, you'll be <coughs> fine whether he loves it or not. I know you'll love him regardless. Oh, but, absolutely, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just but just a little less. Just a little <laughs> less. <laughs> See, when people ask me and Nikki why we we don't have kids or plan on not having kids, I'm like, because um, if my kid Sucks. didn't love demons, I would have a hard time loving my kid. So <laughs> plain, plain and simple. But what's, but what's great is there's still a lot of stuff that he loves that I love and I have introduced him to and stuff like that, you know. You know, it's still cool. I, in my son's first concert will always be Weird Al, so. I know you say this movie's kind of brainless, but, like, I still, I think that the movie in the movie thing is really unique and cool. Yeah. How it, intro, how it plays into the movie that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really kick-ass. You know, I think whatever they whacked in script, they just put that much more effort into everything else. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, we could we, we could really put some thought into this. Well, let's just have a giant helicopter crash through. <laughs> okay, yeah. And then, you know, and they, I, was, I just thought of this now. It's like, it, it always bothered me, you know, because like, okay, they go into the theater and there's like that knight on a motorcycle. Then I got to thinking, wait, is that a homage to George Romero for Night Riders? Like you got a knight on the motorcycle. It's like, oh. <laughs> could be. I'm gonna say it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't see any other reason for there to be a knight on a motorcycle with a sword and the mask. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, who yeah, knows? We didn't get to see the whole movie within the movie, so. <laughs> because so. I uh, drew it in my notebook when I was twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just a cover to a bunch of European 80s thrash metal bands. It's like the cover art, it just <laughs> sequence, it becomes this movie. Yeah. Did anyone else think that Urbano Barberini, who plays George, our hero, who comes in on the motorcycle, who somehow manages to ride a motorcycle across seat backs, sure, <laughs> looks 
fucking exactly like Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. It's in there. Now that you say it. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Damn! I'm, I'm like, looking it up on IMDb now, because I don't know who that... Is that the Dean? Is that the guy that plays Dean? Dean, yes. Okay. Yeah, he was also in the... My Bloody Valentine remake. I can see it. So now Tina needs to watch Demons, Jason. Yep. Has Tina never seen Demons? She is. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. She watched Pieces. Nice. But uh, out of all the three, you had her watch, <laughs> and she watched it by herself. Oh, she oh. Just, she was just gone. But but she kept saying how funny it was. <laughs> <Out of, laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is your favorite what? Baba? Is that what you're saying? Well, my favorite Lumberto Bava, yeah. Uh-huh. Mario, that's a whole other story, but um well, I, I love the I even love the ending. Like you know, this movie predates anything any Marvel movie, right? And then but yet you have like the credits start and then the movie starts up again with a little surprise little twist there during the credits. I thought that was genius for its time. And I, I love how they're all trapped in the theater and they finally get out and it's like post-apocalyptic. In one night, the world has gone to shit. <laughs> From this demon infection. Now, when I was saying, like, I wanted to... I was thinking of showing this at, like, the Capitol for my birthday, like... How sweet would it be to get like some friends to dress up as demons oh, and yeah. uh, you know block off the doors so they can't get out and you know crash a helicopter into the room yes. and ride a motorcycle <laughs> in for all twelve of the people that were going to show up? You that gotta be, do it. Yeah, yeah. Also, we can have a hooker rip through the rip through the theater screen. There we go. If you're gonna do it, go yeah. big or go home. I was going to say, I really liked the demon makeup oh, yeah. most of the time. I liked the little red veiny. The veiny things? Those are cool. And the eyeballs. And, and they were and all the transfer- still different. And the transformations were crazy awesome. I mean, when you see like the uh, fingernails grow or the teeth grow. Oh, oh the yeah. fuck. Yeah, that, that was amazing. <laughs> that was... Always you, good. You just see the blood. Oh, God, yeah. Those, those were fantastic. Yeah, teeth and fingernails are my two things that creep me out you know, when you're fucking with teeth and fingernails and that movie and this movie's got both it's awesome yeah grody uh, I could talk about demons all night it's pretty colorful I know that's one of the things I mean it screams 80's Italian horror screams Argento yeah it's fucking colorful yep Lighting, which I love. Yep. Uh, but we can move on. We can move on to uh, the third film that we chose. So I figured when I picked the movies for this episode, I wanted to do the movie that started the the event, and something kind of maybe in the middle, and then the uh, the final film. And the final movie that he showed was Pieces from 1982. Who wants to describe pieces? 
I can do this one. I love this movie. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Pieces starts off with uh, uh, like a 10-year-old kid putting a uh, little nudie puzzle together. His mom walks in, sees us, freaks out. And so she says she's going to burn it and burn the puzzle and anything else bad that he has because she's convinced that he has a whole bunch of other stuff. And apparently there's like, you know, some husband daddy issues too. And so he, you know, she's yelling at him, smacks him around. He leaves and he basically comes back with a hatchet, kills his mother. And then, and then the next scene proceeds to start sawing her. You, you just see the kid with the saw and, um, and then, you know, when, when the police come, you know, he hides and says some guy came and killed his mom. So, flash forward 40 years later, um, there's uh, somebody's killing college kids on this campus. And you see shots of the unknown person putting the puzzle back together. And as he's killing, you know, the people, he takes certain pieces of the bodies. Um, and ma- most of the most of the kills are done with a chainsaw, which is actually really, yeah. The the effects are really pretty fantastic. They're really pretty fantastic on these. Um, the the police. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't apologize. No. The, 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 the police played by. Uh, oh God. Uh, I can't remember who did. The, not Willem Dafoe, but he reminds me of Willem Dafoe so much, which made it even more fun to watch. Um, so the, the police are trying to figure this out. We even enlist the help of one of the uh, college kids to help out. They get uh, a policewoman in, you know, involved, you know, to kind of pretend to be faculty or whatever. And, you know, just mayhem ensues. People keep getting killed. Everybody's just like one step behind the killer. And I, I don't want to spoil it, you know, I don't know if we're spoiling or not, but, you know, they finally find the killer, have, you know, finally find out what it is, you got some cheap scares at the end, but, I don't know, I just love this movie, it plays, the the, the 80s cliches it plays up are so fantastic, they, they are just great, and this is why I love 80s horror movies, this movie right here is just one of the reasons why I love them, yeah. and it, it, there's so many scenes, though, where you're just trying to figure out what the hell are they doing with this movie? Right. Because <laughs> um, this is like my third or fourth time watching this movie, and I caught you know I, I was ca- I'm catching scenes I'd never caught before. Little things, you know, like the constant things with the cops and the cigarettes or whatever, cracked me up every time. The uh, scene where the girl, you know, a girl goes, you know, she she wants to, you know, make it with the guy, you know, in the pool or whatever. But, you know, for some reason, during this whole scene, as she's going to get in the pool and everything like that, they're playing this weird, smooth jazz music. And while <laughs> this guy's creeping around in a trench coat and fedora, too. I mean, this just makes the scene even better. <laughs> it, it, there's so much amazing stuff in this movie. I mean, you can't take it seriously. You just have to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It's it's definitely a lot of fun. Now this is a movie that I never rented in my younger years. I think I think this may have been the first time I've actually seen it all the way through. To be honest, me too. Um, and but this movie was kind of like urban legend back in the day. Yeah. I just always remember seeing it on the shelf and yeah. 
be intrigued like, by it, but for some reason never tabooy. pulled the trigger. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't think I was too scared to check it out. I'm I, sure you were. You just said you were always a scared no, kid. Not, no, like, you, you know some of the shit yeah. I watched back then, so... Um, I can't imagine this would have, you know, you know, scared me or anything, but yeah, it always had just the coolest box and just kind of seemed like there was always this controversy around this particular film, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's fun. And they could have figured out the killer right away if they'd have just went and seen who bought all them fucking chainsaws. How many goddamn chainsaws? (laughs) Are there in this town? Oh, this is where they have the big chainsaw plant, right? Oh, that must be it. Yeah. Yellow chainsaw sale. The guy who played Willard in this movie was Paul L. Smith, who <laughs> um, I recognized right away uh, being in the in the Sam Raimi movie Crime Wave. Nice. And his his dialogue is so is overdubbed with way more of a cartoony voice in Crime Wave that I can't see this guy and not think of that voice. But it's probably one of his bigger roles. Just a couple years before Pieces, he played um, Bluto in the Rob Rob Williams Popeye movie. Yeah. I was like, holy shit! He went from Popeye to doing this. I mean, you know, I think you know Popeye was a career sting for a lot of people, <laughs> but. Uh, um, I, I think it was said that he actually did this as a favor. Oh, really? I, I, I think I think this was a favor called in. I would think so because looking at his filmography, he actually has done quite a bit of you know high profile but, stuff. So, well, I tell you what, he cracked me up because every scene that he's in, you know, he's got that he's got the stance where he's got like his hands on his hips, head is cocked, he's like his back eye is squinted, and he's staring out with the other eye. I'm just like laughing every time I see him. <laughs> Well, I was too. I thought it was just me because, again, I all I could think of is crime wave every time I look at him. I was glad you chose this one for a couple different reasons. Obviously, because uh, it ended the last drive-in and all the Joe Bob uh, commentary surrounding it was just fantastic. Oh man, yeah. yeah. But, but um, even outside of that, I had seen this movie probably a dozen times because. When I first started getting into horror, um, it was like right when VHS was sort of phasing out and DVD was coming in because I'm a little bit younger, so <laughs> I did not I did not get a whole lot of VHS uh, horror. I got mostly DVD, but we had a video store at the mall was disc jockey then turned to fye but they my my mom like they had this like bargain bin stuff there and she would periodically bring me home bad movies on dvd and she brought me pieces home one time (laughs) and uh i was like really mom she's like well look at the cover it looks exactly like something you would love and i'm like that's exactly why you. I'm surprised you brought it home. Look at the cover. <laughs> like she saw that. I was like so proud that my mom saw this cover and it was like, this is something my son needs. She has been paying attention. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like she does love me. Finally, you know, 
all that years of nurturing and, and feeding me and everything does not matter because she finally brought pieces home to me. And I had never heard of it at that point. So when I, you guys can imagine, I had never heard of it. Get that home, yeah. pop it in, and I was like, oh, fuck, never let mom know she bought this for yeah. me. She instantly take it from me. Like, the opening, you know, just the opening five minutes, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was like, instantly was like telling my older brother, I'm like, oh, yeah, mom bought me this. You have to watch this, dude. And don't tell her that I let you watch it. You know, and it just, it, just because of that, like, I have a, uh, it's going to be locked in my memory forever. There's like a handful of movies that my mom bought me on DVD that, you know, she's, she's never once watched a second of pieces, but, and she has no idea what, you know, oh, what it's about or what's. Right, yeah. If she but only she knew. should have, because it's exactly what you think it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she, if she would have read the cover and saw, you know, the, the lady in pieces with a chainsaw and that catchphrase, she would have uh, known better. But I just, I hold it in my heart just because it's like one of the first things that, I mean, you don't get many opportunities, especially now where you literally put in a movie without knowing anything about it completely blind and yeah. for it to be something like pieces is like holy shit you know it's like i don't i don't even know how to explain it just because it's it's a movie that even if you think even if you think you know you watch it and it's <laughs> it, it's exactly what you think it is but still you know i don't know it's it, i'll always hold that experience you know, in my mind, because I probably won't, I, if I ever get another one like that, you know, there's not many times you get to experience a movie like that, so. That's awesome. And this is, going back, you know, Mike saying he was always kind of freaked out to rent this. Back in, I've talked about our high school movie nights a million times, this is one we picked up for that, and I think part of the problem was the time slot, but I almost think we got an edited version Oh. Because I don't remember it being terribly gory. Like, we all hated this movie when we rented it the first time watched it. Like, this is boring and stupid. And the acting is fucking terrible. <laughs> Nothing happens in it. And the only thing any of us for, like, 20 years could remember about pieces is all the goddamn Wendy's product places. Yeah. We, had Dr. <laughs> we had Dr. Pepper and Tourist Trap, and we got a shitload of Wendy's in this. And then, but, you know, it was kind of like Tourist Trap. It was one that everyone just talked about how much they loved and how important mm-hmm. it was to their being a horror fan and all this stuff. I'm like, why are people so gaga over this shitty movie? Like, there's nothing that interesting in it. So when Grindhouse Releasing put out that three-disc Blu-ray, uh, like two years ago, I think it was, like, you know what? Fuck it. This is a really cool package. I got the one where, like, if you bought within the first, like, thousand copies, it comes with a little uh, reproduction of the puzzle that he's putting together. Nice. So I even have, like, the little jigsaw puzzle. It's like, sure, whatever, I'll throw down 25 bucks for a movie I remember hating to have the ultimate fan nerd edition of it, just in case it doesn't suck. And I put it in and watched it, like, wow, that was awesome. Why did I hate (laughs) this movie? And it comes back to the only reason I can think of is there must it must have been edited because there was you guys are familiar with Alpha Video, like a public domain. Oh yeah, uh-huh. cheapo releasing. There's another one like that that was more like Alpha did more classic horror stuff, 
but there was another one called Diamond Releasing that was almost the exact same deal, but they did more modern movies like William Malone's Creature, the alien knockoff from the 80s and that kind of stuff. And they had a version of Pieces, and the runtime was much shorter. So I guarantee you there is an edited VHS version out there that Diamond pulled their print from for that DVD, and that's why I wound up wow. hating this movie for so long, because I saw it without all the stuff that would be the reason anyone would like it. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Huh. There was obviously a, uh, a popular trope in the 80s, in the early 80s, where if a child witnesses anything sexual, they grow up to be a serial killer. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Nightmare in a Deranged uh, deranged Mind does that. Uh, Christmas Evil does that. So, uh, uh, what's up with that? Hmm? But yeah, this, movie's, this movie is a lot of fun. Some, some cool gore and some crazy kills and yeah, then really bad acting, but uh, not that it's great. part of its charm. Yeah, yeah. But what yeah, about that, it? It adds to the charm. But if that was all you had to hang your hat on, you would not find it all that charming. Oh, I bet, I bet, I could only imagine. Um, it would be a chore to sit through this without the, without the kills. So. <coughs> now, what about the Joe Bob segments during this one? Uh, this was again the last film that he showed, um, and probably another one of my favorite parts of this whole event is when he tells his story about meeting Zachary and gives oh, oh a yes. huge history of Zachary and and horror hosting what and all he that stuff. To him and yeah, oh, and oh. it was so touching too because right there at the end his voice was, starts yep, cracking a yep. little bit. Oh my god, so amazing. You know, I mean, I didn't learn anything new because I, you know, listened to the Midnight Snacks <laughs> podcast, episode number one. But he tells all the exact same things I say in my episode of Midnight Snacks, and it sounds so much better coming from him than it I'm does sorry, me. It it's does. so much more entertaining and intriguing coming from Joe Bob. Damn it! <clears throat> but but my, I'm glad he did because it, you know, he's right. It needed to be told, and it's not. It's not that the world doesn't know or love Zachary, but the more you can tell the world, the, the better. And well, so the, it was great of him to use that time to do that. Well, and the thing is, though, like, yes, Zachary, and I love how he gives all the credit to Zachary. You mm. know, you know, fuck, fuck vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, he gives all of all of it to Zachary, and like, so yeah, Zachary is is going to go down in history always as being like one of the first, one of the best. Um, you know, he's got other other <coughs> things in his credits there. You know, he had a Lots a Billboard top top hit song, which is insane. Um, but like, if you ask normies or people who are just slightly, you know, slightly familiar with with horror hosting, it's going to be two names that probably pop up. It's going to be Elvira and Joe Bob. Yep. So it's cool to have Joe Bob sit there as this guy that like Rubbish way more people here. are familiar with, and have him sit there and tell you 
No, no, no. I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this yep. guy here, Zacherly. So was was very cool. But my other favorite story during during pieces is when he again proof that Joe Bob his knowledge of of trash cinema um, goes far and beyond any th the collectiveness of this group here on this show is when he's talking about. All the Bruce Lee ripoff actors. Oh, shit, right? <laughs> yes, that was amazing. It was amazing. And he's like naming them all and like which we movies did. they come from and stuff. Which ones the, were important. The best part was the way he kept pronouncing them different to to differentiate yeah. so he didn't have to keep explaining which one he was talking about. And he said, Bruce Lee. Like, <laughs> he was like, dude, he tasted something gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize, see, I didn't even realize there was multiple ones. I just thought every time there was a, a Bruce Lee ripoff came, you know, that came out, I always assumed it was the same one. But apparently there's like a dozen of these guys. And one of them, Bruce Lee, spelled L-I, appears in pieces, which is the whole reason why it got brought up to begin with. Now, I've, I knew about a few of them, because I knew about, like, I've heard of the movie The Clones of Bruce Lee, I haven't seen it, and I knew that it was a, a you know, kind of a, a little mini-industry within the Hong Kong film industry after Bruce Lee died that there were just a ton of different ones, but I had no idea it went that deep. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. Thank you, Joe and Bob, for that. Of all the things I expected watching Joe Bob Briggs talk about a crappy Spanish slasher movie, getting schooled in kung fu <laughs> yep. film history was not one of those things. Nope. <laughs> it's so funny. Yep. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. What a bonkers fucking segment of the movie. Hello. There's suddenly a kung fu scene. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what? I sort of forgot about that until <laughs> it's like, I, I, and when I saw, it, I'm like, "How the fuck did I forget about yeah. this?" Like, but I feel like every time I watch it, I forget about it because it does not fit the narrative of the movie at all. No. <laughs> and when he was, and when he was going on his rant, I was like, "Wait, why is why are we talking about this?" And then yeah, and then I'm like, "Holy, sh you know, it's just what a weird." Yeah. weird little section of that movie but you know that's what sort of makes it as crazy as it is yeah did he did joe bob bring up why bruce lee li was in the movie uh because one was it one of the producers or no maybe it was the screenwriter no it was producer dick randall producer. yeah yeah they worked in hong kong movies and you know, it basically did it as a favor because he made yeah. some movies with him before or something like that. Yep. I just I couldn't remember if Joe Bob brought up that aspect of it or not. So you're too busy laughing at the. Oh, I segment. was. I was like laughing and in awe all at the same time, and I learned a thing or two. Dang right. Anything else about the? About the Joe Bob portion of this movie, it was just great. It was very touching and awesome, and yeah, the end was just like super. I don't know, like as watch as someone as watching it, thinking at that time, like this could really be it because the way they he sort of talked about it, you know, I mean, it's called the last drive-in. It almost seemed like Joe Bob wanted this to be the end, where it's like he, when he did this, it was you know we're watching it and it's like he still 100% has it, and if he really wants to 
do it again. I hope to God they do. But you know, if if this is if he's not okay with, if he doesn't want to do this anymore, I don't want him to do it just just to do it. But yeah, but we could come up with a two hundred dollars somewhere. Yeah, to get him to do it again. <laughs> I don't. Well, I mean, Shutter already did. Yeah. Yep. But I think that goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of how, you know, like even until recently, he didn't understand how influential and important he was to so many people that, you know, I don't think that he was saying this was the last one. I don't think he doesn't want to do it anymore because he looked like he was having so much fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, could just, you just get that I vibe th- that he was just having a blast. All, to me, it seemed, you know, from the, the article he wrote, explaining his feelings on the server crash and all that it seemed to me like he was reluctant to do it because he was afraid no one would care anymore yeah i don't think he i genuinely don't think he thought it was going to be successful i think they talked him into it and he went all right we're gonna try this one more time but he was like worried about almost like worried about getting his feelings hurt you know what i mean like that no one was going to care he threw a party and no one came and he was going to be sad and he didn't want to do that but then he threw a party and fucking everybody came and they called the fire department and shut it down because they were over capacity (laughs) (laughs) yep and maybe that's why they announced more so quickly Mm -hmm. oh yeah they gotta strike while the iron's hot of course well for sure well i i got the impression too that you know he's you know, was still still kind of butt hurt that his other two shows got canceled. You get that feeling in the yep. beginning of it. Yep. But when I did research before the show, they the only reason why those shows got canceled was because they were changing they were changing things at those at those particular stations, like the formatting. Yeah, yeah they were changing formats. Mm-hmm. Had nothing yeah, sure. to do with the show. Some yeah. some new More manager ratings. comes in and has to prove that he's going to be the boss by changing everything that the people before him did kind of thing so like, it could be so like, okay we got it yeah because you know we, we had monster vision for so long and then they changed it to that joe bob's hollywood and i was like well this isn't as good because i don't give a shit about any of these movies he's showing but yeah damn, joe bob's still there talking so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm still gonna sit here and watch it and, and I, I will yeah. i will never forget i will always bear a grudge against the movie tron Okay. Because, the, and, you know, it, on its own merits, it's a fine movie, sure. revolutionary for the time special effects, and it looks neat, and it's, I mean, you know, kind of a shallow plot, but it's interesting. But that was the movie that was on in place of Joe Bob one night. Oh, yeah, I get it. And, I get it. And I, I, I sat down with I always had... Lipton brisk iced tea. That was my thing. Like that was Aww. my special treat to have when I sat down with Joe Bob every Saturday night. And you know, I sat. I had some snacks with me, and I had my iced tea. And I sat down. I was all excited to turn the TV on. And Tron is on. What, what the fuck's going on? Well, okay, I'll maybe maybe it just got pushed back. There was like a news report that broke in or something, and kind yeah. of yeah. you know, there's some some kerfluffle with the programming. Things got so. I watched a little bit of Tron and nothing happened. And Like, okay, well, I'll come back when this is over. So I came back when it was over, and then there's just some other damn thing on. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And there wasn't even, again, this was, you know, the internet was around at that point because I was reading all of his articles on his website at the time and all that. And, uh, you know, the Monster Vision website was going strong. And, and yeah, so I 
we didn't have internet at home yet, but I, uh, the next time I could get around a computer that had internet, I looked it up and, you know, sure enough, it was all over. And so, like, just, I, I still, to this day, like, I cannot fucking look at that movie without getting physically angry. Aww. Because that was the movie that was in place of Joe Bob that night when I didn't, didn't yeah. know he was going to be gone. I get it. I get it. I remember that moment um, with a lot of horror host shows I used to watch, but there, my show was was a local show. Um, oh, I don't even remember the name of the show anymore. Um, but it was on uh, it was on CBS out of Ames, and it was uh, Count Morbius was the host, and I remember sitting down to watch Count Morbius. And, and you know, and it's time turning turning on the TV, turning it over to Channel Eight, and Friday the Thirteenth, the series was on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I boycotted that show for a long time, uh, just because like I was and wait, and I and I I remember sitting there. I'm like, well, maybe they just pushed his show back because they got this new show Friday. The 13th. I watched it. And after that, nope. And then, like, Freddy's Nightmares came on, and I'm like, oh, all right, I'll watch this. Still hoping that uh, Count Morbius would be on afterwards. Nope. Count Morbius was done. And so, yeah, I was, I was bitter for a long time after that. I can still remember that moment and those feelings. You're, the way you're describing it is the exact same feelings I used to have. Yeah, because, it's a, you know, the decision was probably made so quickly they didn't even have time to, you know, can we they didn't get to shoot one last episode to have that sign-off like he did yeah. on Last Drive-In, where he gets to say, you know, thanks for sticking with me, and unfortunately this is the end. It's just, one day it's not there anymore. Yep. Well, and with with what I experienced, I mean, that was like totally like, it was a local show. So, you know, once there was like this after-hours syndicated show, you know, that uh, all the CBS affiliates were showing at this time frame... You know, Dr. Morbius wasn't even a second thought. You know, it was just like, you know, who cares? I cared, yeah. damn it. <laughs> right. Did you guys get the feeling, though, when you're watching all his segments on the different movies this time, that, like, he really liked the fact that he wasn't on network? I got yeah. that feeling, too, yeah. yeah that was yeah. exciting. Just knowing, yeah, I mean, like, got, some I mean, of the reins are off, some of the limitations, yeah. and I think he kind of enjoyed dropping a few of the uh, F-bombs here and there. Oh, hell yeah. And that was did. so weird, though, because that right. was the first time I'd ever heard him swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and since this, I've I've gone on to YouTube and watched some clips from yeah. from uh, Monster Vision and whatnot. And, you know, th- there was a couple, I can't, I can't even remember now, but, like, there was a couple I found where he's kind of making fun of the, uh, kind of making fun of TBS at the, you know, <laughs> in a way. Always so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got the feeling. Go he, after Ted Turner all the time. Oh, yeah. So I got the feeling, yeah, he really appreciated the free reign that Shudder gave him. And so, I, did you guys yeah. all join that group that Tad yep. Yep. shared with us, the Joe Bob's Mutant Drive-In Collective? So, oh, you yeah. know, that so much of that is on YouTube, not just the segments, but, like, there are people putting, that still have in their personal archives the full oh, episodes awesome. of monster vision and stuff that must have been from before i ever picked up on it because like i don't remember ever seeing project metal beast on monster vision but by god that's on there and yeah. i'll tell you what i'm gonna watch real soon is joe bob talking about project metal beast because i fucking <laughs> love that movie <laughs> well watch him soon before whoever owns the movie rights 
start uh, pulling those off of YouTube. That's a weird question, though, because Project Metal Beast doesn't have a current U.S. release. Like, the only thing that's out there is, a, like, a German DVD, so, yeah, that one might be around for a while. But... Uh, anything, any, um, any other highlights from you guys what? from this whole event? Not, you, not just the three movies we talked about. What did you think about, of the male girl? Oh, yeah. What would you go with, guys? did you think of the male girl? Oof. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. agree. Us too. Not a fan. Couldn't Some stand her. Couldn't stand really her. bad plastic surgery. She just was annoying. Oh, yeah. I'm like, there was a couple moments I yelled at my TV. I told well, her to yeah. shut the fuck up because, like... It's Joe Bob's show, not yours. Get off. Yeah. He seemed to I'm, do great with her, but... Oh, yeah. But still, annoying, I thought. I miss Rusty. Was that the usual one? Yeah, there were two two of them on Monster Vision. Rusty was the redhead, and then there was a blonde, and I can never remember her name. I she was good, too. I just yeah. can't remember her name, so that's why I didn't bring her up. <laughs> well, anything would be better than this girl. She annoyed me. I didn't uh, hate her, but I didn't. I don't know. It, she wasn't in it enough that it bothered me. So yeah. I don't know. I I just know, and and I'm using quotation marks for people in podcast land. Actress that uh, she reminded me of that I also find extremely uh-huh, annoying too. Oh, you picked up on oh, it yeah. too. Nice. We're not gonna say names Inside on the air. Okay. If you do watch the Boggy Creek when he has a special guest on. Who does really good? Who I still haven't watched that episode yet. Who was the special guest on that? He's the director of some of the Boggy Creek movies uh, later. Oh, I can't like I can't. Boggy Creek Two and Return to Boggy Creek. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, okay. he w- he was on and and he he seems to do a lot of Boggy Creek stuff still to this day and had some decent some pretty cool insight on the people of that area and some some of that so yeah um any other anybody else got any other highlights from the whole event i haven't had time to watch much else of it i've only seen part of sleepaway camp other than the ones that we watched for the episode well of course we're all gonna eventually watch all of it Uh, sure yeah, but watching the end as the lights dimmed. Oh, oh trailer, Jesus! God, that just was sitting there sad. in the chair and he's playing with his hat. Yeah, gosh. So dang. I like I, I finished up pieces uh, last night after I got home. Yeah, and watched that, and I was gonna just go to bed. And like I can't. Like since I know there's going to be more, it's still a little less sad. But like that yeah. can't be the last thing I see before I go to bed. Right. <laughs> so that's why I started sleepaway camp and got about halfway through. <laughs> it's like I just to make me feel better. He just watched a video of like animals dying to be Cheer less you sad. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me throw in cannibal holocaust. That'll lighten the mood. <laughs> so what's everybody? What's everybody's you know personal connection there with Joe Bob, or what's Joe Bob mean to you? Oh, I'll go. Um, I guess for me, I rem- I have very vivid memories of going to a friend's house that lived nearby um, on Friday the thirteenth, and it was when he did the marathon on Monster Vision, 
and his my friend was like one of the few friends that had a TV in his room so we you know we're staying the night and his mom was like you know you guys got to go to bed so we went to you know his bedroom and she turned off the lights but we turned on this little like 13 inch TV and we watched Monster Vision and we watched I think you know we made it through maybe two of the movies as part 3 and followed by the final chapter but uh just like watching that to me was like you know I felt like for a long time um for me anyways I liked these movies but I always felt like horror was a guilty pleasure and it was like a dumb person's um hobby or like a, a dumb man's uh genre of film and then watching joe bob who was like he, he somehow embodies the uh you know he, he's playing a character but he somehow embodies like he's smart he's he's a smart guy he's uh he talks about the fact he, he gives you facts about the movies he talks about the history and the people behind them as if you know even the shittiest of movies he can bring you facts that make you appreciate this some everybody who's you know involved in the process of it so to me it was seen even even something as mainstream as friday the 13th movies it was like sort of a almost like a, a doorway into you know me seeing oh this this is not necessarily a thing i should be embarrassed about he's he makes it cool you know so it was sort of to me one of the first things that put me in the process of being uh, a in specifically a horror movie lover so um from watching that over to his house i of course you know wasn't you couldn't just like now you would see that and just google it and be like oh he has all these books and got to find out it was one of those things where it's like oh well next saturday or you know next friday or saturday night i'm going to go home and we have cable so i'm going to try to look in the TV guide and see when this guy's on TNT and see what the show's about. And then it became a thing where I was staying up on that night, you know, and I would get like, just like Brian, I had a particular food that I would eat and <coughs> it sort of just became a tradition for me. So cool. Yeah. I just remember, uh, catching monster vision when I could, uh, growing up and it was always great. I love, I love that juxtaposition of this is clearly an intellectual, but he's playing this hillbilly and <laughs> yeah. I really, at the same time, it's like he was the fir- he was the first special features, you know, before they were oh, on DVDs, you know, I like that, yeah. And I think he's just one of the main reasons that's propelled the geek side of the nerd side of horror i mean he's, yeah he he told us it was okay to to learn all this silly shit that uh fills up your brain and has no real use in society but we somehow feel the need to want to learn all this stuff and um just always a big fan um yeah when I, when i did get to meet him it was a pretty special weekend and yeah that was amazing um such, uh, just such a nice guy too. Just the nicest guy, and uh, and and willing to still, you know, his career is his career is you know talking about these fucking movies. But in his off time, he's still happy to still talk about these fucking movies yeah, for real. <laughs> and so I, I the the magnitude of this event was not lost on me, and it's it's great that 
all of us, you know, all of us horror fans, uh, recognized it and, and and broke shutter for it. And it's just uh, such a great thing, and I'm so happy that just for him to maybe finally, you know, hear that he's what he's done has been impactful on all of us and so I, I look forward to more please keep it coming yeah i'll probably break your heart but um last year 2017 for the film festival i was as close oh. I, was, I was very close to booking him because i even got prices and uh was talking to his assistant and everything and it was uh looking like it was very possible but after sort of meeting with the rest of the group and no one else had even heard of him, oh, they, they were like, fuckers. you know, everyone else was sort of reluctant on putting in the money on someone that they hadn't heard of. And uh, I got a little cold footed just because it was sort of like, you know, if, if no one else in this group has any idea who, it is, who, it, who he is, how many people in Burlington, Iowa are going to know who he is? Right. And, maybe, you know, maybe the success of this will help and you can get him back again. Yeah, because even or maybe the, Halloween a Palooza. Yeah, exactly. I go. have I have the contact information. You know, I can sweet. I can, uh, his assistant actually, strangely enough, when we were emailing back and forth, was like, "Oh, my grandparents lived right across the river in <laughs> Illinois, right across from Burlington, and as kids, every summer we went to their house, and they would bring us to Burlington, Iowa, as like a small vacation, and we'd walk around downtown <laughs> and all this stuff." And I'm like. Yeah, don't you want to come back with Joe Bob? You know, like <laughs> she has so many fond memories of her childhood here in Burlington, which is so crazy because now you know he lives in uh, like the New York area, I believe, and uh, on the East Coast. And from the conversations we had, he apparently really, 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 if if he doesn't have to, does not like to fly. So yeah. they were talking like she was like, you know. Basically, if you can get him a train ticket somehow from New York to where you're at, you know, it, he's pretty much yours. But, you know, you'll have to book him, like, a, a train ticket for a week in advance. You know, take him a fucking week to get here, pretty much. But, uh, <laughs> the, it, you know, looking at this, I was like, when I was showing, you know, I just wanted to sort of be like, to to uh, the rest of the the SNAF group, be like, look, he broke the fucking he broke Shutter. You know, I was right, but and yeah, they're I like, still, what's Shutter? Who's this Shutter person? It, so I still don't know if it would have been a good choice for our <laughs> film festival, but damn, he'd be perfect for Halloween Palooza. So yeah, you know, right, we'll do it. Yes, yeah, do it. <laughs> yes. And you're saying, Mike, that. Uh, that he takes to, you know, he's still happy to talk about these movies outside on you know, his downtime, even though that's his career, but it's, it's obviously a passion for him too. Like, oh yeah. You don't get this deep into this stuff without loving it. Totally. Absolutely. You could just, yeah. And you could just tell. And he, and I'm sure it does to you guys too. When I watch him and even if he's talking about something I knew already, his, depth of knowledge makes me want to know more about this kind of stuff and Absolutely. his enthusiasm for it makes me more excited about it and yeah when i first i don't even remember how i first discovered monster vision i probably just stumbled on a channel surfing because we didn't have anything but the major networks until i was 13 
and that was so I don't know, I was probably like somewhere around 14 when I finally discovered Monster Vision I don't remember what year it started I guess that would have been 80 or 96, 97 somewhere around there, when did it start? Uh, Monster Vision it yeah. started I think it was 96 hold on okay so I probably came to it not super long after it started but I know I mean I wasn't there from the beginning because I didn't know who he was until like I said I'm sure I just accidentally clicked onto a channel surfing but you know as a kid I wasn't allowed to rent R-rated stuff so I never saw even you know like Halloween and Phantasm and some of the more common you know the more mainstream horror movies and Monster Visions where I saw a lot of that stuff you know he showed Phantasm 2 all the time I'm sure that was one they had in the TNT library that they like to get their <laughs> mileage out of, but um, it was always two movies, and usually like the first movie would be something more like a, a phantasm or something a little more well-known, and then the second movie, the really late-at-night one, would be like the really fucking weird one, like, uh, you know, Super Beast or something like that. <laughs> and so that was a huge part, not just of my discovery of a lot of these movies in general, but then getting that wisdom and that commentary and that knowledge to go along with it right away really helped me to be have I mean I not and not an encyclopedia like he is by any means but I, I know some stuff about movies and a lot of it is stuff I learned from Joe Bob <laughs> <laughs> and you know he really fueled because I, I liked that I was always drawn to that type of movie anyway but he really fueled the enthusiasm for it and just made me hungry for more of it I would just you know, it, any free time, any free money I had was buying Fangoria, was buying VHS tapes, was, you know, just anything I could get my hands on, I would just devour it. And I I found a bunch of his books on eBay. Like, I I have, I think, f maybe four of his books. Like, Joe Bob Goes to the Drive-In and the Cosmic Wisdom of Joe Bob Briggs and stuff like that. And I'd reread and reread those. And every, no matter how many times I've read those books, I will just be gasping for breath laughing every time I read them like <laughs> so the the humor style as well like the the way he tells jokes and stuff like the the type of humor that he uses that really informed because you know that that is right kind of the age where you are not yet the person you are going to become but a lot of the Tetris pieces are falling into place you know and uh, so that that really kind of hardwired my brain for that type of stuff at the exactly at the age when you're starting to to form those permanent connections and uh yeah so i was all through the the tnt years even though even when they made him switch to joe bob's hollywood I'd, it's like i don't even care if i don't like this movie i just i want to hear joe bob talk at the commercial breaks yeah i even maybe this is oversharing a little bit but i even remember the night of my first kiss Aww. I came home on fucking cloud nine and sat down because it was, you know, date night, so I couldn't say, okay, I got to be home at a certain time to watch Monster Vision. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I, I got home as, as quick as I could when it was over and sat down already, like I said, on cloud nine and turned it on and, and watched uh, what was left of Nightbreed. So I, I even remember the movies that were on Monster Vision during certain uh, major life events in that time period. So cool. yeah, it's, he's pretty important to me personally and to 
order in general. Mike, what about you? Um, actually, I feel like I got in just a little bit too late on Joe Bob. Because um, I remember watching him, and I remember seeing several episodes. But And I always looked forward to, like, if I didn't have to work. you Because know, I always, always wound up working, like, Saturday nights. So if I ever had a Saturday night off, it was great. Because, like, oh, cool, I could sit down and watch Joe Bob and everything. So it was really cool. Because I, I never got to see a whole lot of the episodes. Um, you know, there, there, there's only a few episodes I really remember watching Razorback being one of them. Though. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so but well, I remember like whenever I watch it, it's like I love the way he did it. I love the setup. I loved all the information he got from it. You know, you could just you know, just like the way he like you know, bring down you know the way he would talk about, you know, what you're gonna see in this movie. I mean this is stuff that you know I love to know about. I want to know about in advance. I can't wait to hear about this. You know, and then just all the little the information. I mean you know in one episode you know, just you know, heck, just in like the twenty minutes you got of just Joe Bob, you're gonna get more information half the time, more information about that movie than you'll get like a DVD commentary a lot of times. More, more you know, than you'll get from the movie itself, plenty yeah, of times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you'll just get so much on who's involved and what they did and stuff like that. You know, and that's one of those things I just really loved. You know, it felt like a whole. You know, one hand it felt like a whole bunch of trivia, but the other hand. It felt like a great history lesson, which is was really kind of awesome about that. So you know, when I heard that he was you know doing the thing for Shutters, like, dude, this is awesome! I I can't wait to see these, you know, you know. And then you're just kind of wondering, it's like, what's he going to pick? What movies yeah. are they going to have? Yeah. And the list of movies he's got is fantastic. It's it's a great list of movies, you know. And you in the you know because it's. You got some of the obscure ones, you got some of the common ones, you got something you do expect, and then just like, and then you got a few you know, little surprises here and there, which is what's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Joe Bob, for me, um, it's no big secret that one of my loves of life is TV movie horror hosts. Um... I love them. I have my own separate podcast called Midnight Snacks. It's completely devoted to TV movie horror hosts, and there's more episodes coming, I promise. Um, <laughs> there's a handful of them that really have, that I, I love that have always really stood out for me, um, and Joe Bob is one of them. And I can remember, I actually have seen some of the original show, uh, the, uh, the drive-in theater show on the movie channel. When he was on the movie channel, um, but here's a guy. Uh, you know, he's doing this like redneck Texas character, but he's obviously really smart, well educated, and extremely knowledgeable about these films that I want to learn more about. But he's he's not just sitting there spewing information. He's doing it in a fun and entertaining way. And he's making me feel okay about liking these movies. Whether it being, it's okay to like these gross, disgusting horror movies. Or, it's okay to like these really bad, poorly made, terribly acted movies. Um, I've said it before that his commentary track on uh, I Spin On Your Grave has finally made me feel okay to actually... <laughs> own this movie. I don't have to hide it in the back of my collection anymore. 
it's okay to own this movie and appreciate the movie for what it is. And I can, and I can accept that thanks to Joe Bob Briggs. You know, and unlike other TV movie horror hosts, he didn't... I mean, yes, he was still playing a character, but he didn't have a gimmick. He wasn't a vampire creature or a ghoul. You know, and you think of some of the more famous ones, like a vampire or Elvira. They're, they're still... They have their own things, for sure. And Elvira, has, as a character, has transcended beyond being a TV horror host. But... Uh, but it was still just him sitting in sitting in that uh, lawn chair, you know, telling stories about these movies. And you got other TV movie horror hosts that were just a person sitting in a chair, like your John Stanley or your um, Bob Wilkins. And they were sharing a lot of great information about these films too, but they just did not have the person... Now, those guys are great, don't get me wrong. Um, those guys are obviously amazing and have their place in history as well and I love them as well but they just didn't have the personality of Joe Bob Briggs but the other thing that I love about Joe Bob Briggs as well uh, being a fan of TV movie horror hosts and can never get enough of it man there was a time where Friday night I'd stay up late watching TV movie horror hosts I'd get up Saturday morning I'd watch one I'd watch um, Grandpa Munster doing uh uh, hosting Japanese Toho Monster movies on TBS. And then in the afternoon, it was Commander USA. And then at night, it was Saturday Nightmares. And my, my weekends was literally doing nothing but freaking watching TV movie horror hosts. Sad existence, I know. but uh, <laughs> I think you mean awesome existence. <laughs> yeah. But as all these shows start disappearing, Count Morbius, Commander USA... And all these guys are disappearing from my life. Here comes Joe Bob Briggs. He Monster Vision was from 1996 to two, to the year 2000. Nobody else was doing this shit on TV in the year 2000. This stuff was dead by the by this time. You know, even Elvira again left the TV movie horror hosting behind and now is like selling, you know, selling beer and beer commercials or having her own movies and whatnot uh, or selling records or whatever the case may be. But Joe Bob Briggs was still doing it after everyone else had left. So that's what Joe Bob Briggs means to me. He um, definitely holds a very special place in my heart amongst the many TV movie horror hosts. Um, as a guy still fighting the good fight, as uh, with the way I look at it, and um, bringing his own special spice to the whole to the whole subgenre. So that's all I gotta say. Word up! So I think that about wraps it up, right? <laughs> I don't think there's any much more we could say <laughs> on the if topic. If you don't have Shutter, get your ass to get yourself the some damn Shutter and get it. Yes, watch the Joe Bob. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal 
providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Told you to be right back. Segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, and we're going to start, as we always do, with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Alright, over on the Facebook, uh, we just asked, <clears throat> you know what, what were your favorite uh, films that he showed, um, moments from the marathon, or any Joe Bob stories in general that you had, and we had a few comments, more over on Tad's page, but anyway, uh, first we got Brian McNeil, he says, I met him at San Diego Comic Con a few years ago. I was the last person in line to meet him, and he said I had enough time to ask any question, but it had to be one he had never been asked before, and he'd answer it. He said I asked him if he could complete an entire sentence with nothing but profanity. He laughed, used a long sentence full of profanity that didn't even have words like it or is or and or etc. He bowed, shook my hand. Took a picture and left. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Over on Tad's page, he, we got Remington Smith says, I owe my fear of zombies to Monster Vision. I saw the 1990 remake on his show in fourth grade and just loved that reveal of the gas key in the basement with Tony Todd laughing as the world goes to hell above him. He was a great guide to horror. And then Ted tries to convince him to sign up Shutter. <laughs> and then we got uh, Bobby Foy. She says, Sleepaway Camp was my favorite this time around. Love seeing the actress and hearing her stories, as well as Joe Bob's take on the film. And lastly, we got Misty Dawn. She says, My love... Melissa Rose making Joe Bob blush during the sleepaway camp segment was her favorite. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that one. It's good. And uh, nothing on Twitter. And just remember that you can always uh, give us a call to our voicemail. Leave a voicemail. Let us know what you think. Answer any of these questions and leave any comments you want. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. All right. Tomorrow it's been a long double feature at the drive-in with the kids. You suffered through the family-friendly movies. Now the kids are asleep. And it's time for the, tri- and it's time for the surprise movie of this triple feature from tonight's guest projectionist. It's time, it's time for Insane's Picks. Insane's Picks! Insane's Picks! Insane's Picks! Woo! Alright, it's going to be kind of a short one. Don't have a ton to say about this particular pick. But I picked it, so I'm going to 
So now you got to eat it. Yeah. What? And it's slimy. Yeah. Uh, from 1986, little space romp sci-fi <laughs> feature called Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite part of doing Insane's Picks is coming up with some weird-ass film and just waiting to see which, which other member of the show um, knows what I'm talking about. Um, for once it wasn't me i've never seen this <laughs> i know interesting uh this is a very low budget sci-fi version of the most dangerous game uh these you know two uh scantily clad um women escape from this space prison or something uh only to crash land on a nearby world where this guy uh, named zed um Sends them out into the woods and hunts them down with his like laser crossbow. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, hunting them down and 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 trying to kill them. Um, and the girls have to fight their way across the jungle to a um, to uh, get the best of Zed and before he kills them. So, um, yeah. It's it's extremely low budget. It's interesting that they set this in like some sci-fi future when it's basically just two girls in loincloths running through the woods. Um, the only thing that really makes this sci-fi is the beginning where their spaceship lands on the pris- on the planet and the fact that uh, Zed has got this like laser crossbow. Oh, but he does have a robot servant and the robot outfit does kind of remind me a little bit of the robots from um, Ice Pirates, uh, which is, should be another insane pick. Ice Pirates rules. This movie's directed by Ken Dixon. Uh, most of his films in his filmography are documentaries like Zombiethon and Best of Sex and Violence. Uh, art, um, um, this movie stars, uh, most notably, Elizabeth uh, Catan, who is also in Assault of the Killer Bimbos, and was also in Friday Thirteenth Part Seven: New Blood. Uh, Brink Stevens makes an appearance in this movie. Yay, Brink! Um, and then my favorite performance in this movie is Carl Horner. Who the hell is Carl Horner? Well, uh, you really wouldn't know him in front of the camera. He's only acted in a couple things. But I know him and love him as one of my teachers uh, from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. So as soon as we found out, me and my friends found out that Carl Horner was in this shitty-ass movie, we ransacked every video store <laughs> in downtown Pittsburgh to try to find this movie. And sure enough, we found it. And it was it was ever so glorious. Um, oddly, this film was condemned as indecent um, by the U.S. Senate. Um... Uh, by Northern California Republican Senator uh, Jesse Helms in 1992. Why the hell this film in particular, this almost completely forgotten, no-budget sci-fi film, was singled out, I don't know. But if you can find it, check it out. Um, it was released under uh, under the uh, Cult Cinema DVD label. I don't know if it ever made it to uh, Blu-ray. Uh... I'd imagine so, since it falls into that uh, full moon world, that it probably, if it hasn't made 
Blu-ray by now. It probably will. Uh, I would assume this also would is streaming on like Full Moon streaming service, um, since it is kind of in that in that canon as well. But um, it's but it's worth a watch. It's it's a it's a fun little uh, cheese fest if you could check it out. Um, and the girls are kind of pretty too. So slave girls from beyond infinity. So yeah, so that's it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Special thanks also goes out to our Patreon supporters. You too can um, be a Patreon supporter and get a ton of extra cool content um, by going to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being on. Thanks, Mike, for joining us again. It's great having you on again, thank buddy. You. Thank you. Had a good time as always. And uh, so, yeah, so if you haven't signed up for Shutter yet, do it. And check out the these last. episodes of Joe Bob Briggs, yeah. The Last Drive-In. It is a blast. Highly, highly recommend. So we will see you all next time on the next full episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.